Yeah, it looks like Khalil Herbert uh, hurt himself uh, on the kickoff return. I, th I think that was the play where he um, – it, it looked like a hip, but I think it's an ankle. So he's out, what, four weeks? At least four Yeah, weeks. at least. Dan Aguirre, when it rains, it pours. When it fucking rains, it fucking pours. <laughs> you want to start a show? Let's do it. You sound a little bit subdued. I'm going. I'm going to fire up as soon as I hear the music. And, and look at look at the Santucci here. I got to put Santucci in the thing. Where are you, Santucci? Get in here. Man, there. Hello. <laughs> we're actually live. We, oh, we are live. Oh, we're that's, live. That's, it's like 100 proof when, when the show used to start a little early. Ah, yeah, you caught you know, me like, touching my penis. Yes, same thing. <laughs> I can be live yet. <laughs> I just can't resist looking at you two sexy motherfuckers. <laughs> He's really horny. He's yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> All right. With the, with the way the bear season's going, what else can I do but masturbate? For fuck's sake. <laughs> Every day I'll be masturbating until the draft. <laughs> Yeah. We got we got a great show planned. Let's get this thing going. All right. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth, and they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. I'm ready to go for this show. I've been re re I was about to say re-waiting. Re-reading as opposed to re-weeding a quote that I used to hear Richard Nixon say in Marv Levy, the former Buffalo Bills, Chicago guy, Buffalo Bills head coach. Uh, both of them said, quote, fine on my men, a little hurt, 
a little hurt. Hold on. Let me start this again. Fuck, man. This show, the false start on me, okay? Uh, fight on my men. A little I'm hurt, but not yet slain. I'll just lie down and bleed a while, and then I'll rise and fight again. End quote. So that could be the Bears at three and seven, trying to fight for a playoff berth, which most of us now think futile. It could also be in my personal life. It could be both. <laughs> However you want to uh, extrapolate that out, I'm all for it. But trying to give myself my pep talks before we go on this fucking negative show that's hopefully going to be a good show, but we're talking negative stuff because it's another Bears loss. Yeah, it is another Bears loss, but I, I, I feel totally different than I ever have in my entire life. And I am, I swear on a stack of Bibles, whatever will convince you, I would swear to this. I, you know, I typically take losses just like you, Dan, where I'll be miserable for days, sometimes a week. And if uh, a loss like Sundays, maybe more than a week, I just keep remembering that fucking game, man, up two touchdowns early in the fourth quarter. It's ridiculous. We lost that. The interception that wasn't because that bullshit penalty. Yes, and uh, Tucci is going to have a, a, an excellent segment on his Bear State of Affairs talking about the connection between Vegas and the Bears. Is there something to raise an eyebrow about? Uh, he'll do a much better job of enticing you with his uh, words than I will, but it, it, it is strange what's going on with the poor officiating and the Chicago Bears. Every team complains about the officiating, but what's going on with the Bears? I'll let Tucci talk more about that. But my other point was, I just feel like there is something great on the horizon. It's, it's the closest I've ever felt this way was 1984, when we lost in the playoffs, and I saw Mike Ditka being interviewed, and he wasn't upset, he wasn't cussing, he had this look of, wait till you see what's coming, wait till you see. And that's how I feel about the Chicago Bears, and it starts with... It starts first and foremost with Justin Fields because oh, oh, the only one that could screw up Justin Fields is Matt Nagy. And he's exactly. Gone. <laughs> he's gone. I mean, you've been saying it since the beginning. This season's going to be better because Matt Nagy won't be around. The bald fuck. You've been saying that since the first day he got fired. <laughs> and and you right. can admit the season's been a lot more fun despite oh. the lack of winning. Yes, yes. We don't have to listen to that guy. We don't have to see and hear his incompetence. And I've got a head coach now that I really, really like. Is he perfect? No. Was he even outcoached by that idiot coach over in Detroit? Arguably, yes. Mm. But he, 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 he's still instilling in me confidence. And I, and I, as much as it hurts that we lost, it. I just feel this this sense of hope. Do you feel it at all, then? I believe in fields. You can you can bring me in there. I'm typically, if I'm down, I look for things to 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 bring me up. Whether that's listening to like Jim Valvano or something, you know, to an old speech, Barack Obama, 04, DNC, you know, a speech to just bring me to fucking tears, man. And I'm sorry if I'm alienating some of our Republican listeners, but I, you know, that's where I saw who the, who's the Barack who and <laughs> motherfucker had me crying, Jack. And if that offends somebody, fuck it. I'm sorry. But so I'm looking forward to, to try to bring myself to optimism and you got me on fields because I'm there with you, but I, I don't know because, you know, 
we've been here before. We had the fifth pick in the draft. We took Cedric Benson. Mm-hmm. So there's no home run guarantee that we're going to draft the right guy. So for me to just be like, oh, let's keep losing and get a better pick, I, 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 I don't, I can't agree with that. Right. Because we may not pick the right guy. Right. Let's see what else do we got there. Fields, I agree with. What was your other points of optimism? I'm sorry. Well, the head coach. I see. I don't like our DC at all. But maybe I, I'm jumping the gun. And I, I can understand that, but uh, because there has been some questionable uh, calls and schemes and, and strategies, but there's no talent on that defense. They traded away all the talent. Mac, Quinn, and Smith. I mean, outside of Eddie Jackson, the promising play of Jaquan Brisker, um, Jack Sanborn all of a sudden looking like he's a potential remedy at that weak side linebacker position, or not weak side, but strong side, little things like that. But for the most part, this defense on paper, and we're seeing the results, is much worse than the defense that we started the year with last year, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. And I got to admit a bias against uh, 57 too. You uh, like Jack Sanborn. No, I, I I need to like him. I need to like him. I admit a bias against him because you remember the guy we had back in the lovey days named Mike Hass every year in the camp. It was the guy everybody loved and he never made the team, but he never dropped a pass. Yes. And at the time I thought, yo, he's, he's Tom Waddle 2.0. Mm-hmm. And then it was Taylor Gentry. Mm-hmm. There's always these guys – yeah. Or Tan- it was Tanner Gentry, Tanner Gentry. Tanner, that yeah. we, you know, it's like, oh, he made the team. He made the team. Our guy made the team, the camp star. Yeah. And then he just did, he blew ass in the, re- whenever it was in the regular season. Right. So Sanborn, I put in that category of like, oh, he was a preseason wonder, but he, he won't do anything. And then after Sunday, I was like, well, he did have two sacks and should have had a pick, but let's see it a second game. And maybe I'm unfairly judging a kid that was an unfair undrafted free agent and assuming that it's just like one week i i hope he does turn out to be a starter for the bears and i need to quit being an asshole to him just because he was a a camp guy you know yeah no i and i respect uh because i was there with sanborn when he was signed as an undrafted free agent and uh i did the scouting on him i remember seeing a couple of wisconsin games last year he he looked like a uh a notch below a nick kwiatkowski a, a good instincts, hard-hitting linebacker who didn't doesn't have the athleticism to play linebacker in today's NFL. But what we saw Sunday and what we've gotten glimpse of uh, in his previous action uh, is that he's got fantastic instincts. And when you have fantastic instincts, that can make up a whole step when you're playing the linebacker position. And he showed that in that interception. And he showed that uh, on a couple of uh, tackles. I think he had a tackle for a loss on one play. So he had a great tackle on Tyreek Hill in the Miami game as yeah. well. Yes. So, you know, he's showing some promise here. It's surprising to me, but I'm starting to believe in the kid. Uh, so I hope, I, I think you will too. Yeah. I hope too, because like, you know, you, you root, you have to root for the guy that just was signed at the end of the, you know, as a throwaway, no mm-hmm. one really gave him a chance to be on the team beyond like, you know, the training camp guy. So, you know, you got to, again, he's the Tom Waddle kind of t- a type. And I'm not saying that because they're both white. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying a guy that wasn't drafted and is, isn't expected to do anything. But you right. know how, how much heart Waddle had. Sure. So, yeah, I need to, I need to lighten up on him. Every time I, I see something successful with Sanborn, I'm like, yeah, but. Right. I don't want to get any expectations up on him. And that's, that's wrong, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, the defense, 
I did like that Allen Williams was blitzing earlier in the game because if he had done any of that against Miami, we may have won. Yeah. It's like, just fucking pass for us. Get some rush on Tua, you know? I don't even – I'm rambling was, in circles now. but There was a big play late in the game uh, that uh, Williams blitzed, and so the defensive backs were left one-on-one, and Jalen Johnson got really burned. It was, I think, a 50-yard something reception that set up the, the winning touchdown for – the Lions this week. So yeah, I was listening to that on radio. Actually, I was, I had to leave because I had an overtime shift. Okay. So I immediately got my Jeep turned on serious and was listening to Tom and, and, uh, Jeff Joniak and heard that play. It was a third down play, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. And they get like, it got like 50 yards. I'm like, Oh fuck. But I had that feeling. I hate feeling negative thinking that the game is over. But when, when Santos missed that extra point, I was like, Oh fuck, we're going to lose 31, 30. It just it, it's like you make 40 straight field goals, but that's his third miss on extra points. You know how I felt then? Um, when we got the ball left with 230, I thought we were going to win. Oh, I, I did too when they got the ball back. Yeah, I, I was ready to go on DraftKings and see if there was, you know, some cool play that I could have bet on, but I don't think you can bet on a game in the last two minutes or so. Do you but think it, Santos I, was out partying the night before where it was his birthday? I, I got a theory, but I'm going to save it. Let me write this down. Santos partying birthday. But I want to save it after I play the media mashup. And uh, there's also, uh, let's let the audience know, and you know, <laughs> Dan, about what we're doing tonight. I, I shortened the media mashup. It's usually 20 minutes, but today's it's 10 minutes. Uh, and, and, and there's some interesting things for us to talk about. So we'll play that 10 minute, and then you and I can talk about it. Is the goal to let it go the whole way, or are we going to interrupt it? Like Mystery no, Science let's, Theater? Let's let's uh, let it go the whole way, and then we'll talk after that. And then okay. this other clip that I have, which is a 10-minute discussion, which I think you're going to find fascinating. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes on WSCR, and their guest uh, is Dan Wiederer. Oh, God. And you, <laughs> Exactly, Dan. You I love Lawrence how, Holmes, but I don't want to hear Dan Wiederer. <laughs> you know how I have defended Wiederer because you, like, hate him you you have he's up there in your list of top 10 hated people along with uh, Aaron Rodgers and Donald Trump no no he's not in that realm but he's he's a negative fuck man he truly people call me negative but like I said if he was covering the beat during the 85 season he'd be like I don't know Walter's getting a little old I just don't see it exactly He'd he'd find a way to say the Bears couldn't win He's he's that way in this 10-minute clip, but even more than that. Oh I, mean, my God. I, I listened to it, and I started saying, I think I hate this guy. I, I think I hate Dan Weider. I think I agree with Dan Aguirre. Dan Weider is worthy of being hated. And so we'll have some fun stopping and commenting on that. So why don't we get to that, and then we'll bring in the two ch- uh, about uh, 9.15, 9.30, and uh, we'll have fun with him. So let me play the media mashup now. Um and uh, after that, we'll 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 do our mystery science theater on Dan Weederer, Lawrence Holmes, and Dan Bernstein. Here comes the media mashup. And there wasn't a bigger call that went against the Bears in terms of penalties than than that one on Jalen Johnson, where, um, yeah, the wide receiver just he just crumpled. Okay, and I saw Trinity Benson, the receiver in the locker room after the game, guys. And he was on crutches. So something happened where he either went to make a move or whatever. The knee gave out, and um, 
I don't know if the official thought that Johnson struck him in the face mask or not. I, you know, but listen, the call's the call, and and that's not that's not a reviewable one, right? So you kind of have to live with it. But um, to your point, Sanborn uh, did a nice job, and as much as we've hammered this Bears run defense, guys, and and we've been on it all year long talked about it before the season kicked off, how we figured this was going to be a major concern for this team. Bears played the run well yesterday. The Lions had 95 yards on 31 carries, you know, and and shoot, Goff had that one 10-yard run uh, at the end. So really, you talk about Jared Goff handing off to the backs, and they did less than three yards uh, a carry. So uh, credit to Sanborn. Uh, and credit to those guys in the front seven for improving uh, in an area where they've been terrible. Uh, but but they were certainly better yesterday in that game, and and that's why they had a chance. Was a late scratch. Was was that was that him unable to play? We have a texter wondering if he was benched for some reason. Why was? Did, did you see that one coming? That was a surprise. I thought. And then you wonder, how, what was that, the seventh combination in 10 games? Yep. That's, uh, yep. that's crazy. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think uh, Tevin was a performance scratch. I think some type of issue came up before the game. And, uh, you know, if it's something that they got to pay attention to the rest of the season, we'll probably never hear anything about it until the end of the season. But if it was just a one-time occurrence, then, you know, maybe maybe that's it. And they're fortunate that Schofield, you know, can play the left-hand side when Cody was out, and then he could move to the right-hand side, probably being notified the morning of the game, hey, you're not just dressing, you're dressing and you're starting. So, um, you know, that you know that's, that's just a part of the game. You know, I'm interested to see what's their evaluation of Larry Borum. Do they feel that they're a more physical offensive line with Riley Reef playing? Because sometimes when you watch him, and you look at his mannerisms, and you look at the way he plays, he does have a little bit more of a nasty streak in him than Larry Borum does, and that's something that he's going to have to develop through his time. He's a young man. He's a young player. He's got a lot of skill, but um, you know, two concussions two years in a row, I'm a little concerned about that. So, you know, he, you know, Tevin kind of stepped up to the plate when you needed him the most when you had an injury at the offensive guard position, and he's been able to play well. My interest is, you know, where is Larry going to end up um, for the remainder of the season? Because if I see Larry Borum as my future, then I would rather play him. No offense to Riley, because I really like uh, what I've seen out of him from the moment he got here to where he's at right now. But this is about... You know the future, not necessarily the moment. This is a team that gave up 30 points in the fourth quarter all season long, and they allowed 21 to the Lions on Sunday. Like that's just that's just really bad. I mean, I think that the optimism surrounding Justin Fields, another incredible rushing day from the Bears quarterback, all of that's great. But the fact is, they're still coming up short in both of these games where he's, you know, running all over the place and you know putting the team on his back, fighting off lions, so to speak, uh, on that fourth down play that resulted in a sack. He can't do it alone. There's there's a lot of takeaways I think that are positive, and I still think that the temperature of this fan base, they see their quarterback progressing on a week to week basis, but. 
they still this team still can't tip the meter the other direction where these close losses become close wins. And I think there's a lot that has to do with the fact that you got to win games through the air. And I tweeted something about this yesterday, and apparently um, anytime you criticize a quarterback or any offense that can't throw the ball, you're a hater. But it's it, it, you have to look at good teams. Good teams are not one-dimensional when the game matters. No matter whether your defense has given up 21 points in the fourth quarter, you had a chance to lead a game-winning drive, and that's on everybody. That's on conservative play calling. That's on the quarterback. That's on pass protection. That's on receivers. And until they're able to do that, they're not going to win these close games. You go back to that game against Miami, there was the third down pass to Chase Claypool that didn't result in DPI. Well, you still had another chance, and it was a good throw from Justin Fields to Equinemius St. Brown, and it resulted in a drop. They lose by three. They lose by one yesterday because they can't move the ball to get in field goal range there at the end, and that's what's going to require this team or what's going to be required of this team to make the next step. I talked to Darnell Mooney about it yesterday, and just how good they are in a lot of respects. Running the ball is what their identity is. That's fine. You can be a team like that. But when it matters, you got to be able to throw the ball at the end of the game. you got to be able to, to win games that way. And that's where they keep coming up short these last two weeks. I'm looking forward to seeing more Chase Claypool. And yet he plays 19 out of 61 snaps, down from 26 a week before. Any explanation why or theory why that might have been uh, uh, the approach? No, because, you know, the whole time we've been hunting for these this big wide receiver package, I was confused by Nikhil Harry not being activated as much as the concern for why Claypool wasn't used as much. Because, yeah, they got Okuda, who's 6'1", but the other, you know, the corners, the cover corners, they're all in in the 5'10 to 6-foot area. And you think of in the land of giants, including Cole Komet and Nikhil Harry and AQ St. Brown and Chase Claypool, you would think that it'd be, you know, using play action or just using the passing game. These are more identifiable targets because of their size. But I also think that um, lack, you know, Claypool, again, it's going to take him a couple weeks to get really up the snuff with everything that's required out of him. Because if they go to the line of scrimmage and the defense offers you something completely different, does he understand the audible system and what the next play means if they call it at the line of scrimmage? Um, but, I, I, you know, I don't want to use him just as a blocker. I want to use him as a, as a real threat. But there's going to come a point in time where Justin is going to have to have enough trust in his arm that when these guys are covered, you got to consider them uncovered. Because when you look around the league or the generations of great quarterbacks in the NFL – they throw these guys open, and they give them an opportunity to climb up over the top of the defensive back that's covering them. I thought that the touchdown pass by Justin to Cole Komet was a really smart throw because he put it up over the top of his head. There's no DB that's going to have that vertical leap at that moment and be able to tip the ball out of the sky where Cole can go up there and reach above his head and make a great you know, handed catch at that point. So, yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed in the lack of the use of Claypool. I was disappointed that Keel Harry was not activated. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just part of what I, what I was hoping would be the development as the season winds up. The quarterback's making incredible strides, and that's something that yep. this fan base can be really excited about. But they should have won that game yesterday. You don't, I mean, the swing of momentum, and when players are talking about feeling the momentum shift on the sideline, 
and not being able to get that back, that's tough. And you go back to, I watched it this morning to make sure, you know, I went through all of the penalties and you can think what you want about the illegal hands to the face. It's a rule that is pretty freaking clear. You cannot have your hand pushing somebody's face mask. You cannot reach in the neck area. Refs are going to call that, whether you think it's a ticky-tack call or not. I'd be more upset if I was a Bears fan about the Tyler Gordon late hit because he was trying to make a play on the ball. It just so happened that Jared Goff sold that as he was going out of bounds and then tripped himself, whatever. All of those self-inflicted wounds, like that's not who this team is. They're a really well-coached team. Penalties for 86 yards yesterday. You got At some point, you can't blame the refs for all those. Some of those you got to put the onus on the players and I know that that's frustrating, but when you are supposed to win a game because you're up and you come back after halftime and you put up 14 points, you know, at some point you got to look in the mirror and say, well, that one, you know, moments of that, more moments than not were on us than the Lions or the refs. All right, we're out of time, but just very quickly, why is Chase Claypool only on the field for 19 freaking snaps of 61? Aldo? Dan, what'd you think? It's weird that I can't see you. Yeah, let's <laughs> fix that. Hold on. <laughs> I strongly agreed with the Nikhil Harry thing. If you recall Sunday, mm-hmm. I had just woken up and I was like, Harry, question mark. I mean, why would, I mean, I know you only gave up a seventh round pick to get him, but I believe he's a free agent if mm-hmm. I'm correct. So yeah. you got to figure out what you have. If you want to bring this guy back, he's got size. He's been playing fairly well. I thought when he was in there, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess I get it. You want St. Brown to block. He seems to be the best wide receiver blocker. Although I always heard that Pringle was a good blocker too. I just, we haven't seen much of him on the field cause he's been hurt, right. but I, I still found that to be questionable. I, I don't understand how Claypool can't come in at the very least and be like, look, we're going to play action. Just run as fucking far and fast as you can. We're taking a shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do that at least once a half. Yeah. I think Yeah. at the very least you could fake that bubble screen to, to Mooney and then throw it deep to, uh, to Claypool because everyone's always on the Mooney screen, the, the little smoker out there and just fake that and then go deep. I mean, or just standard play action. Uh, but the one thing I disagreed, what's the the fine reporter there that took the place of Jeff Dickerson? What's her name again? Um, uh, Courtney Cronin. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I guess it's true that, well, we should quit whining about the refs because, I mean, it does make you look bad. But from every still photo that I've seen, Jalen Johnson didn't touch the guy, the Lions guy in the face at all. Mm-hmm. So I think that is worthy of a, of a complaint. And I'm sure the Bears sent that to the league. He just touched him in the chest, which is legal as a bump and run for five yards. That's mm-hmm. a legal play. Right. So I don't know why she singled that one out. It's like, oh, you shouldn't even cry about that. The rule says this. Well, the photos show he didn't touch him in the face. Right. I agree with you. I, I thought she was off track uh, saying that. And, and I, I think that she also missed uh, a number of the other bad calls against the Chicago Bears. The, this this is a little bit more serious, I think, than the local media is taking it. Um, I, I spoke with Greg Gabriel about it. I mean, and he was incensed. He he immediately went to Twitter and said, this is bullshit. Last two weeks in a row, <laughs> we lost because of officials' calls. And it is bullshit. And we'll talk more about that. But I also disagreed with Courtney when she said that we lost the game because we couldn't march downfield because of the passing game. 
We didn't lose the game because of that. We lost the game because the defense gave up 14 points in the second half. We lost the game because of bad calls by the officials. We lost the game because of uh, of bad luck. There was a multitude of reasons. Missed extra point. Yeah, the missed extra point, exactly. So she's totally off. I mean, how quickly do people get used to an offense scoring 30 points a game? I guess pretty awfully quick, even if it is the Chicago Bears. I mean, this is – what I'm seeing here is something that I've rarely seen in my fandom as with the Bears, you know, that they have a high-scoring offense. We saw it with Mark Tressman, but we knew that was a dysfunctional team and it was on its way down and not on its way up like this team could potentially be if the general manager makes some good player acquisition moves. So, yeah, I, I disagreed with her. Um, what did you think about some of the stuff that Tom Thayer said um, – regarding i'm not a fan of borum yes i haven't been a fan of borum and i don't mean to like i want him to do well when he's in there mm-hmm. like every i don't want people to ever think that i'm when the game's on i'm rooting against a certain player because i want everybody all 11 guys to 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 earn long-term contracts that are playing like please prove me wrong but i i'm kind of happy that he's not playing i don't know if he's on unha- i don't want him to be hurt but yeah i agree i i don't I guess Tom was saying if Borum's your future, then you have to play him the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. But to me, Fields is your future, and Borum was one of the problems that was getting him hit relentlessly. And there's still seven more games. I'm not saying Borum's not a part of the team in the camp next year because that would be a, a, a huge leap for me to suggest he's going to be cut. I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's the future. Uh, like At least not the, well, he's your penciled-in starter next year. So to me, it's okay to have him as the backup the rest of the way. Yeah, you know, um, unfortunately, I I have to agree with you because I've been high on Larry, but there is something going on that we are not seeing the improvement we should out of a second-year offensive lineman. And it's it's still early in his career, and he could progress, but as Thayer said, these two concussions are also concerning. And the fact of the matter is, is that Riley Reef is outplaying Larry Borum. And, and exact, I couldn't agree with you more uh, than when you said, you know, Justin Fields is the future, first and foremost, and then offensive linemen and, and stuff. So you got to protect Justin Fields. And so that makes a lot of sense, a, a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to I pat on my own back and say, I know what I'm talking about, but like to me, fun. number one has got to be your top priority. And I hope given the fact that the national media seems to be, you know, like wild by Justin now, because I was reading people that normally like uh, Dan Orlovsky, these kind of types were mm. suggesting he could be a pro bowler this year. And these are people that like six weeks ago were saying he couldn't play quarterback at all. Right. Exactly. So, but like my, my point is I hope that the bears and Ryan Poles are like, fuck, we do have something here. We've got a guy. We don't have to worry about drafting a quarterback, whether it be the fifth pick, the sixth pick, or hopefully lower, because I still want us to keep uh, to to win, especially mm-hmm. this week against Ryan Pace and and uh, Phil Emery. At least Phil, I felt like, you know, he always talked like, oh, we want to win multiple championships, and like he wanted to do it. I'm not saying Pace didn't want to do it, but like, I guess I felt like Pace is more of a fuck up, especially with the Nagy hire and stuff, like. Uh, Phil Emery, like, I felt like it, at least he, he was like one of us a little bit. Like, okay, he failed, but he really did want like Jay to be the guy, and he wanted to score points, and he wanted to win. I just felt like Ryan Pace kind of, 
yeah, he set us back way more than Ryan than uh, Phil Emery, in my opinion. I, I I sort of agree. I mean, that defense that Phil Emery left was pretty fucking pathetic. And if you give John Fox any credit at all, it is that he restored some respectability with the defense and sure. also controlled the clubhouse, which had gone haywire under Emery and Tressman. So from that standpoint, you know, uh, I, 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 I give, I, I have issues with Phil Emery, but I do. One of the things I did like about Phil Emery, although he failed at it, is that he wanted to experiment. He wanted to try new things. And I'm always going to be for that. Uh, there are certain things that are tried and true and that you should stick to, but there's also, you know, things that you should do to innovate and create uh, new opportunities and new, uh, new successes. Uh, and, and that only starts if you try things differently. And he did. Unfortunately, he was uh, pretty more of a failure than a success. I Ryan, think, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, if you wanted to rewrite history, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of things. First off, Phil made everyone dislike him because he moved on from Erlacher. Mm -hmm. kind of the way Ryan Poles was like, look, we're going to trade Khalil Mack. Now, Erlacher had been here much longer than, than Mack and deserved a lot more respect than Mack, in my opinion, because mm -hmm. of his tenure with the Bears and everything he did for the Bears. So, But I guess the way that went down, if he could have changed that a little bit, the way it was handled and had Erlacher more on board with the amicable departure, I think that would have done him a lot more favors with, with ownership and mm -hmm. maybe more patience. And then when the Aaron Cromer stuff happened with Cutler and backstabbing him and crying and all that, he should have fired Aaron Cromer immediately mm -hmm. and yes. said, look, you, you went to the media, you're duplicitous. We're sorry. We're having a tough year. You've got to go a couple of those moves like that. I think he, he would have bought himself more time. Yep. Absolutely. And, um, some of the players, remember the players that, uh, wouldn't go to practice cause they had to open up a barbecue. But yeah, Lance Briggs, I mean, that, that's one of those things like, well, Lovey's gone, so I can do what the fuck I want. Yeah, that was bad. That yeah, was bad. I mean, I, it's just the, the defensive guys, like, almost like if Tressman and, and Emery could have like done something like to get Briggs and and, uh, and no one ever said anything bad about Peanut Tillman, but if you get, get somebody like that, make him the captain and try to bring that team together. Mm -hmm. Like, look, we know Lovey's gone, but let's we can still win now. You know, we've got Brandon Marshall and Alshon and Martellus and Forte and Jay on the other side of the ball. We can score points. If we have a decent team at all on defense, we can win. Mm -hmm. So a couple of things you can look back and say that if they do a couple of things differently, maybe that whole regime is different. I, I mean, um, the outcome is better. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. They may not have had sustained success, but would have had some more uh, single-season successes uh, than, than we witnessed. All right, I want to get to this. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this. It's also going to annoy you. And so it's a 10-minute long clip. Uh, we're going to interrupt it and jump in. Um, and it is the Bernstein Home Show. Uh, they're talking to Dan Weeder about what has been accomplished so far this season. As you would expect, Dan Weeder is a negative Nancy to he's a bitch <laughs> in street terms. Hey, before you hit play, I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, I don't listen to, especially when the bears lose, it's hard for me to want to hear anything else about it, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the post games, but I did listen to the podcast of, of Ed and, and Dan. Ed uh -huh. said, Justin Fields. He's like, don't, he said, this is a paraphrase, but don't fool yourselves. Folks. Justin Fields is a below average quarterback. 
He's five and 15 as a starter. And as long as you have this kid, you're not winning. And my point of that, I said that with the other Dan last night was that, you know, it, you can, you can justify, oh, we're losing because we're going to get a tough, a good, a better draft pick and this season's over mm-hmm. and Justin's playing better. But on the flip side of that, there are people using these losses against Justin and trying to paint a picture that he's not a winning quarterback. He's just a running quarterback. He's this, or he's not that. So, and again, Abranovich, a Bears legend, mm-hmm. 63 world champion. He, he had the big interception at Wrigley Field. We know everything about the guys, I'm saying. But so even he's now saying, well, Fields isn't winning enough. So I don't want that to be a topic going into the offseason. Well, he's he's not this or that. So let's draft somebody else. Yeah. You know, I love Ed Obradovich. Ed Obradovich is one of the reasons I fell in love with football because I saw him interviewed and the way he talked and the way he talked about the game and about playing with his teammates and how you had to be a tough son of a bitch in order to succeed in football were things that I was attracted to uh, and helped me uh, grow this intense affinity for the game of football. But I, when I listen to Ed Obradovich now, I, I, I do believe that the game has passed him by. He is still operating under the 1960s, 70s style of football, and he really hasn't learned you know, some of the defensive schemes that are being called up now. He doesn't understand that there are umbrella concepts, that there's, there's, you know, they, don't, they don't play defense like they used to in his day. You know, they, they want to stop the long pass. He's, he's, you know, cover three, cover four, everything in front of you. And uh, he's he's asking for defenses to play totally different. And maybe, hey, he could be fucking right. Maybe that is the solution to stopping. But when 99% of the defensive coordinators have adapted this Vic Fangio style of defense, it's because it works, because there's success with it. Uh, so... When Ed was younger, just to, to be, say something somewhat funny, but I think it's true. When Ed was younger, if you had a suit on, he looked like he could have been in the crew with the Nero and Pesci and Ray Liotta and Goodfellas. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he looked like he'd be like, funny how? Right. Am I here to amuse you? And <laughs> Ed is probably 20 years older than me, and I'm sure he would look at me and I was shitting on my pants. So hopefully nobody will play this for him. But I do, I don't agree with some of the stuff I've heard in the past. And I know you were paraphrasing what he said about Justin Fields, but it's just totally fucking wrong. I mean, yes, Justin Fields has to become a better pocket passer. Absolutely. But guess what? He's doing it as well as any of those guys that were drafted in the first round, maybe a notch below Trevor Lawrence, maybe not. You know, he's... And don't be fooled by the numbers. All of these other quarterbacks have come into better situations. And one of the things that you hear in this upcoming clip and, and, and some of the stuff that you heard in, in the media mashup earlier, I, I, I think there's a way too much disrespect for this Detroit Lions team. I mean, I know uh, Don Burr is probably going to have an orgasm. I'm paying the Lions a compliment. But on paper, that team has double the amount of talent than the Chicago Bears. They had a good draft Pick Aiden Hutchinson, who you saw what he did against the Bears. That guy is a stud. He's already playing at a star level because of his tremendous athletic skills. Jeffrey Akuda, their number one draft pick from about two years ago, he's playing now at a high level. Amon St. Ron Brown, he's he's one of the best wide receivers. Their offensive line is a top ten, maybe top five I like offensive line. And, and that other receiver they have too. 
Jay, um, what's his name? Um, Khalif Raymond, yeah. is it? it? Uh, Khalif Raymond, yes. Um, he's good too. Yes. DeAndre Swift, that running back. Uh, th- th- this team is stacked with players. You're talking about a flag that should have been thrown on his <laughs> touchdown run. Jesus How Christ. How about it? So, uh, you know, it, it, for some reason, people think that, you know, all of a sudden, because we brought in a new head coach and Nagy is gone, that the talent level got better. Well, didn't you pay attention that we lost these three stars at, 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 on the defense? that we've got a ragtag bunch of journeyman wide receivers, if not journeyman guys who have failed, you know, Equinemia St. Brown, I was hoping and praying that he was going to have a great season for the Chicago Bears. Uh, but he's playing like he did with Green Bay. Just sort of, ah, he's a good blocker. You know, he's going to drop a pass now and then, and he's not special. And this team's offense has nobody that's special. And the one guy outside of fields is now Cole Komet, and that's just starting to happen. Montgomery and Herbert, you can say, are special, but that's just not enough. And on defense, we don't have superstars. You need The saying is you need six to eight superstars on your team in order to be a Super Bowl competitive team. How many do we have? And the ones that we have are just approaching that superstardom level outside of Eddie Jackson. And he's, he's had bad seasons in the past. Anyways, let's play this media mashup. Uh, Dan, uh, interrupt me at any point. Uh, it begins with uh, Dan Bernstein sharing his highlights, or what he felt were the headlines of uh, Sunday's game against the Lions. The headline is more wizardry from Justin Fields, continuing to do things we've never seen before and have jaws dropping and eyes goggling all around the NFL. I'll meet you quarter of the way on this, maybe a third. Okay. Um, I, going back through the rewatch, I mean, it, it is just as special on the rewatch as it was in person. And what we have now is a when not if scenario for when the Bears are going to make their next big play. Right. There was a stretch during the Matt Nagy era where the Bears hadn't scored a touchdown from their side of midfield for like three years. Right. And now we're getting it once a game, if not more. Right. You get the 67 yard touchdown run, the 50 yard touchdown pass to commit. And so the experience is more enjoyable. It's more entertaining. It's more adrenalizing. My question here is why are so many people so willing to say the outcome notwithstanding against a last place team that is injured and not very good and doesn't really believe in itself and you lead by 14 in the fourth quarter and your offense has five possessions to seal a game and you lose? Why, why, doesn't, why don't people care about that? Well, I think it's, it's how you define care because, it, I mean, you don't want to lose. I- Dan, what the fuck is he talking about? We care about that. I mean, who's he been listening to? Do you have any clue? No. <laughs> I knew you did. Well, I think you. I think it was last week that you mentioned that he's sort of saying things to try to purposely get attention on Twitter. It's like he's yeah. playing a bad guy wrestler. Yeah, I mean, he's you know, screaming for attention. Right. It's the Jay Mariotti shtick. It's the Stephen A. Smith shtick. It's it's getting clickbaits. That's that's what he sounds like to me, and I hate that he at least maybe he's always been this way, but I hate that I, I'm discovering that he's this way because I really really like his writing, and there was talk I don't know if he is writing a book, and if it's about the Bears, I'm definitely going to pick it up because I, I love his long form writing. He's done some great stuff for the Tribune over the years, um, and I was just, I was hoping that he was being an adversarial journalist, but the more and more you, you listen to this, you're gonna you're going to 
Well, he's Steve Rosenblum to me. Oh my gosh. Another guy that I just like intensely. <laughs> he's, and I don't want to be accused of like, cause it felt like whenever Rosenblum would respond, he would basically say, well, you're an anti-Semite and this has nothing to do with ethnicity, religion or anything. I just thought that he was the kind of writer that said shit to try to get attention Absolutely. to make you mad to make you angry at him. And I feel weeder is the same way. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, here we go. Ideally, you'd probably rather win, but the, but I don't think they're any further away from winning a Super Bowl because of the outcome. Are they any closer to winning Maybe. a Super Bowl because of the highlight real plays? Well, no, they're closer to winning a Super Bowl because of the improvement in draft position. Um, maybe. Right. But I'm saying, but that's <laughs> okay, arguable. Stop, stop, at least stop, that, stop. That, is, that is a tangible, arguable thing where most of these guys who are bad aren't going to be here. So I'm not really concerned yeah, but, about it. So this, this, is, this is where some... That's a, that's a key point there, Dan, right? I, I, fuck. I, okay, so he says something to the effect of, are we any closer to winning because of these highlight plays? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you're, so <laughs> now you're, take, you're like, to that's me, maybe, maybe I'm being too sensitive, but yeah. I feel like he's trying to say that like Fields is being selfish in creating these highlight reels for himself. Like the dude's trying everything he can to pick the team up and to win the game. Mm-hmm. So you can't be critical of quote unquote highlight plays when in every situation, he's just doing everything he can. Cause he's the best player on the team to pick everybody else up. So to twist that and sort of make it like he's denigrating him for like all he's all style, all pizzazz, all flash. And you, you can't win like that again. You said this on Sunday, you said he, he reminds you of a little bit of early Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Same shit was being said when Doug Collins was coach. Like you got a guy that's all style, all and and lacks substance, but all he is is the slam dunk guy, and he can't win. And obviously, he fucking proved everybody wrong. And I think number one can do the same thing. Bingo, 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 bango, bango, bingo, bango. Everything that you said. This we are witnessing with Justin Fields what could be a transcendent player a player who is going to redefine the quarterback position much like Randall Cunningham has, uh, much like, uh, you know, Dan Marino, whoever those quarterbacks are that you can look back and say, wow, he's really changed how the quarterback position is is played. I think that's Justin Fields. I think you're going to see guys who were built to be running backs now being given the football and say, start learning how to throw the the ball. Because Justin Fields did it, and they've been saying no to players like that for decades. They've been they've been typecasting them in one position, not giving them the leadership reins. Now they've given it to a few guys, and now they've given it to Justin Fields, who runs the ball like Devin Hester, Walt, a combination of Hester and Peyton. It's a fucking unbelievable. And they're shitting on it because they don't understand it yet. They're not embracing it yet. And if this guy stays healthy, watch. It's going to be fucking phenomenal what he's going to do. Just like Michael Jordan was phenomenal. This is not a fair question, and I admit it right off the top. But it's kind of what I think, which just makes it an opinion and not fact. Do you think right now it's possible that if this were 1987, that Dan Weeder would say, I don't know. Do you think Washington can win the Super Bowl with Doug Williams? I mean, he's... 
I don't even want to say that Dan Weeder is a racist. No, he feels like one of those guys that would have been saying like, I don't know, Doug Williams, Tampa, you know, he's not going anywhere. And just, it would be like dog whistles though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's people who don't understand change and change many, many times comes from people who are different than ourselves. And, you know, the, the media has, has typically been run by white people. And so when they see something different that they're not accustomed to seeing a black quarterback uh, or a woman officiating, what have you, they're like, Oh, this is different. I don't like it. And, and it takes them a while to appreciate it. And then many times they will deny that they ever were skeptical of it. <laughs> yeah. You speaking women, like uh, when you said fishing immediately made me think of that Jessica Mendoza, Mm -hmm. that calls baseball games she's mm -hmm. phenomenal and and um uh mike north disliked her at first and said so and he he got all sorts of crap about it but i've always disagreed with 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 him on that i think she's really good she really called good. the world series on radio for espn with that i can't remember the guy i told you that i liked a lot the play-by-play -play guy yeah. they were just tremendous together yeah well yeah i wish i would have listened to some of that because there's one sport that is perfectly suited for radio and that it's baseball. And when you get two good baseball announcers in there, it's, it's, it's awesome. Vin Scully. I know you don't like him, but no, no, I like Vin doing baseball. I thought he was so boring doing the NFL though, but listening to a Dodger game or even a playoff game, remember he worked for NBC uh, doing baseball games, playoff games in the late eighties. Mm -hmm. He's fine on TV, like during baseball. I just thought he really, really sucked during football. Yeah. Uh, I disagree, but, uh, we, you know, doesn't mean that I'm right, although I am. <laughs> <laughs> back to our, back to the Bernstein Holmes WSCR show with their guest, Dan Weedrear. Some of the conversation gets skewed for me that I don't get because there's a, there's a sentiment in the city right now that the Bears have a roster with like 40 holes on the 53 roster spot, right? And it's just like, oh, you know, all these guys stink and they're not going to be here. Well, what gives you faith that they're going to fill 35 to 38 of those holes in the offseason of 2023 in a way that that makes this home? Oh, it may not change. Right? Why not? Why have faith that they're not? I mean, I don't I don't understand that mentality. It's like in, in Dan Wiederer's eyes, when he expresses like that, something like that, it's we're doomed. We'll never make it. Remember that TV character, the cartoon character? It's a pessimism on a monumental scale that defies reason or uh, 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 logic. You maybe think of the SNL character. I can't remember the lady that played her, uh, Debbie Downer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's, he's Dan Downer. Downer. <laughs> we got a nickname. I tried to call him Mr. Negativity, but we've got Dan Downer. But then again, maybe that's me too. I don't know. No, sometimes you're that way, but um, in your heart, <laughs> sometimes you become a curmudgeon when the bears are. I wouldn't. I mean, curmudgeon maybe is not a good word, but your disappointment is so intense. You it know, <laughs> it's it's something else. I love it. All right, here's, here, here we go. Take a lot more than one year. Okay, so what what what? Are, I, I guess maybe that's where my confusion is, and maybe you guys can help explain it to me. Is is what what do we feel has been unlocked here? Because in my opinion. What has been unlocked here is you, we now have a more adrenalizing, more entertaining, more energizing brand of football that we're watching. And so the Sundays are more fun. 
but the long range goal isn't any closer, right? Like, it, 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 we, yes, it is. You because you, you've got to, you know, you're not drafting a quarterback this year. Duh, fucking duh, Dan Weederer. Come on. <laughs> How can you say we're not closer when we have for the first time, maybe in the history of a, the franchise, a true franchise quarterback outside of Sid Luckman, I guess, and Jim McMahon. This guy is the real thing. Hopefully we're closer to, to learning that. So how can, I don't understand Dan Wiener's pessimism. It's too intense for me, man. Yeah. Unless Fields would be like RG three and get hurt because people forget how good Robert Griffin, the third was that one season. And they just look at him as a bust now, unless something horrible like that happens to fields. I mean, he's not a bust. People are trying to say that early in the season. He has transcended that and shown us that he's a, a quality NFL quarterback. Now we would all like to have more yards. We get that. I'm sure if Justin were on the show, he would say he would like to have more yards and more touchdowns, and he was pissed off by his interception. He sat at his locker for an hour in uniform last week, reportedly, after the game. I mean, the dude fucking cares. Like, what else can he do to get someone like this guy to get off his fucking ass, man, and quit criticizing him all the time, you know? Love it. Well said. Um, By the way, Rachel Drash played Debbie Downer on SNL, according Mm -hmm. to Renewable and Rechargeable. I'm surprised Retro TV didn't come up with that. Okay. The fact that the fact that you can you can make sure that we know that we know they are not drafting a quarterback this year, right? So that's a huge step. That's a huge thing to I know agree. that the rest of your draft capital, if you think you've got the guy, that was the whole point of this year. It, it, it's it's the biggest point of this year, right. and that's why I, I, that's why I, I agree that the the growth of Justin Fields over the last month is the the biggest storyline that's contradicting Bears right now. But I, I just like I can't get past the idea that losing to trash teams with double digit leads at home is acceptable when you're trying Miami's to figure a trash out if you've team. got a, a winning culture, a good head coach, a nucleus of players who can step up to, to game defining moments and make plays when they're there to be made. When you when you have a fourth quarter with five possessions and you basically hit the 67 yard touchdown run and then do nothing else on the 17 other plays that you take offensively, why it's just all, everybody just shrugs and says, oh, okay, whatever. Like, I, I just think there's more to, to climbing this ladder to becoming what the city wants this football team to become. And if, if we've lowered the bar, that's fine. We can lower the bar. But I, I guess my, my question would be, what, so what, where, where do we set expectations? If 2022 no longer matters, which it, seems it to be the never, verdict. It never mattered. But, but in, in any way, so, so what are the expectations for 2023? Yeah, I, What's, I agree. I understand what he's trying to say, but it, it, it's coming off in a way that, doesn't sound right. Yeah, mean, if you're paying, you know, $45 to park. Right. And however much your season tickets are, or if you're going like the single games, like we are, you're dropping like $500 to go see the game. It fucking matters. Yeah. Well, and, and what he's saying is that it, the expectation that he had, and I had, and a bunch of other people had was that this was not going to be a playoff caliber team because the roster was not set yet. We understand that Ryan Post came in and was bombing the place. The only thing left was the Hallis Hall structure and Justin Fields. That was it. They knew they were going to devote this year to finding out if they had their number one quarterback. Guess what? They do. He's now, passed the test. He's passed the test. Now everything else is going to change. Trust me. 
And I, I disagree with Bernstein when he says, you know, there's a, you know, a bunch of guys here that won't be uh, playing with this team in the future. I think there are quite a few building blocks uh, that we're learning. And we could talk more about that later. But I, 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 I understand what he's saying, but I understand your objection. The next, we'll see what what's the, the next thing that matters? We'll, see, we'll see what the roster looks like. I, I compare this to the 2013 and 2014 Cubs when, 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 th- when Theo Epstein said, look, I'll be able to write your columns for you because I know what you're going to say. And all those columns were the same thing about uh, they're learning how to lose and bad habits are setting in. And his whole point was we're going to be bad for a while. Because we need to completely reallocate where our resources are and how we're doing this. Do I said, you believe that Ryan Poles is Theo Epstein? I don't know, but but we have no choice. He's the guy. Okay, it's his show. I do have questions about the the roster building aspect of this, and I uh, while last week I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with the loss. This one felt worse. Like this one felt like you had a lead. It would be nice to see them con- yes. conclude with a victory when you have a two touchdown lead. But I, I'm, I'm with you on this, Dan. Where I'm looking at some of the choices that are being made, and, and to me, I, this is where I. Breaking news. It's off topic, but it just came to my phone, so I just got a text, and it. This is from a Democratic perspective. I will admit, they want me to di- give them money. Donald Trump has officially announced his 2024 presidential candidacy. Well, I know that in the chat room, some people are very, very happy to hear that. I know here uh, in my household, there is nobody happy. To <laughs> 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 um, we wish uh, Donald Trump a, uh, a successful campaign because there's no way he can be Joe Biden. Right? I won't say that. We, some people thought we wouldn't lose to Detroit. Yeah, true. But Nobody thought he was going to beat Hillary. There's no way that Trump beat I, I, my gut. Uh, Ron DeSantis would be a different story. That would be a totally different story. But uh, right. we'll talk about that later. Side with Bernstein, where in a year where you are supposed to be figuring stuff out, it does not make any sense to me that players that you acquire are playing less or not playing at all. That 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 to me, Valus Jones being inactive yesterday is silly. Uh, See, I, I I don't like that um, from a professional sportscaster. He should know. Valus has played himself out of the lineup. Exactly. exactly. You had that big drop in Dallas and the two losses from pump, fumbled punt returns. Mm-hmm. Plus, we don't know what happened in practice this week. Maybe he dropped every fucking pass that was thrown his way. Maybe they gave him a shot at punt return, and he, he continued to drop bat, uh, balls. Maybe he ran some pass routes that were totally off. Maybe he had a bad week of practice, and they said, you know what? We're gonna, we got veterans over here that they're readier to go, much more ready to go than you are, Valus. And, and maybe they is- think Valus is a project. And they're like, uh, you're going to be back here next year. We we invested a third round pick in you, but if you're going to be back in the lineup this year, you got to show us something. Exactly, exactly. And maybe the best thing is that he they put him on the practice squad. That way, he plays with the scout team and he and he learns stuff. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't look great right now for Valus Jones' future because he is 25, and by this time, he sh- you know he should have the maturity to bounce back from mistakes, to not make mistakes again. He is a rookie, though. Aldo? 
Nope. Two. All, all those gone. So okay, all those back. <laughs> well, I was just going to say maybe uh, Valus is twenty five, but we should also acknowledge he is his, in his first year in the NFL, and that might be a difficult transition for him. Yes, I, I agree. I, I'm pulling for the guy because when I heard him in the press conferences, um, somebody ordered the porno. <laughs> porno is in the chat. It's ready for you, John. <laughs> um, the um, when I heard him in press conferences, he sounded so businesslike, mature. He showed up in a suit, remember? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that was pretty awesome. Um, the bad thing about being kicked out like I was is that now i got to recue this whole fucking thing and find The headline it. is more. Let's go around here and see. See what the roster looks like. I, I compare this to the 2013. And... All right, this is about where we were, right? 13 Cubs. When when yeah, when he was when like Theo after he said, Theo. yeah, so that's about right. I don't know, but but we have no choice. He's the guy. Okay, we don't, it's, I, it's, I, it's his show. I do have questions about the the roster building aspect of this, and I uh, while last week I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with the loss. This one felt worse. Like this one felt like you had a lead. It would be nice to see <laughs> them con- yes. conclude with a victory when you have a two touchdown lead. But I, I'm, I'm with you on this, Dan, where I'm looking at some of the choices that are being made. And, and to me, this is where I side with Bernstein, where in a year where you are supposed to be figuring stuff out, it does not make any sense to me that players that you acquire are playing less or not playing at all. That, that, that to me, Valus Jones being inactive yesterday is silly. Uh, Nikhil yeah. Harry being inactive yesterday for Equinemia St. Brown or Pettis or whomever is silly. And Chase Claypool not being a bigger focal point of your offense to me is silly. First of all, with, if we're going to argue that, that the most important part of this season is, is Justin Fields' development, well, then you want to surround him with pieces uh, that are reliable, right? And so that's why Bayless Jones is inactive right now because he's going to hurt your quarterback's development because at this stage of his, uh, of his growth process, he's not reliable. He can't catch balls, and he doesn't know where to be all the time, right? And so as an offense that's trying to, to gather momentum and turn uh, the future potential star quarterback into something more, you can't play those dice rolls when, when the priority is making sure that Justin's growth continues in a, in a momentum-building fashion. Well, well then, now, but Dan, that's a, that's a major failure by Ryan Poles then. Okay, so that, that'd be the second that'd be the second point of this discussion that I was going to bring up is there's there's a sentiment out there that okay we've established that Justin at the minimum is a difference making starting quarterback in the NFL right like he's proven to uh, that to us over the last month now all we got to do is get him some receivers well now you're putting faith in Ryan Poles to go out and 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 reassemble the receiving core when the draft pick of Bayless Jones hasn't worked out the signing of Byron Pringle hasn't worked out Nikhil Harry which was a very low risk dice roll hasn't really done anything for you all right. So, oh God. First off, Pringle's been hurt. Exactly. Now, it's just like Lucas Patrick has been hurt. Neither guy's going to sit here and tell you they've had their best season, but it's been uneven because of their injuries. Mm-hmm. And then Nikhil Harry's done nothing wrong. I mean, it, like, if we're making these excuses for Claypool that he doesn't know the offense yet. Well, it took Harry because Harry was hurt and didn't come back until the New England game. Right. So he's been back, what? Three games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's done nothing wrong so far. I mean, he shouldn't have been a healthy scratch, in my opinion. 
But to say he's done nothing, that's not fair either. Right. I think that uh, Weederer doesn't understand the plan, you know. Um, when free agency started last season, the Bears had about $30 million after the Khalil Mack trade. And the decision was made to immediately uh, find that answer at the three-tech of the defensive line because that was that's the most important position in a the type of defense that they're running. Poles made a mistake. He he gambled on signing somebody who had an injury in the playoff, real thinking that it wasn't going to be a serious injury or an injury that the medical staff would say this guy is not a good investment for four years, not for that kind of money. So he lost that gamble. He lost the gamble of uh, the offensive lineman from Buffalo. He underbid. But it's not like that guy has been fucking tearing things up for Buffalo. It's not like we lost fucking um, um, who's the greatest offensive lineman in Bears history, Jimbo Covert. You know, so there, there's been some there's been some errors by by Ryan Pose, but the plan still is in place: is gather as much draft assets and and salary cap so that in 2023 you can then go in make the necessary player acquisitions to surround your quarterback or extend the rebuild one more year because you have to acquire a quarterback because you've come to the decision that Justin Fields isn't your guy. We know that's not going to be the case. That's been Ryan Pose's plan. It's been so fucking obvious. You don't trade away Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack, and Robert Quinn without that in mind. You know, clear the cap space. That way you have total fucking control of the team and you're no longer dealing with the mess that you were handed i i i suspect that the interview that ryan pose had with george mccaskey and and everybody else in the search committee was was that he said you know what i, I gotta tell it to you straight this is a big mess you know uh mr uh, uh what's what's the guy's name from the Colts who was in the search committee the old guy the fucking 150 year old guy oh napoleon uh, Polian, yes. Mr. Polian, you know what's going on here. This team is severely over the salary cap. A bunch of old aging veterans. The only thing that you have is the possibility that you have a franchise quarterback. The best way to address this, blow every fucking thing up and let me start from scratch. And everybody turned around and said, yes, it's something every other general manager who's been interviewed did not do. Ryan Pace should have said, I need to blow it up. Phil Emery should have said, I need to blow it up. But they all tried these get, uh, get rich, get get victories quick schemes, and th those generally don't work. They work once in a while. The Raiders and Washington Redskins of yesteryear, they, they had success with that that approach. But the, the, the surest way to get economically sound again, something the McCaskey family wants, and also – have better control of the roster is to blow it all the fuck up and start over. And you don't have to worry about giving Justin Fields the big top money until really 2026. He, he'll be on his fifth year option in 2025. So you've got these three years to fucking bolster up everybody around them and, and give them outstanding weapons like uh, uh, Tua has. Give them a great offensive line like uh, Mahomes now has. Give him a, a good running game like other quarterbacks have. So that's the plan. I don't understand why a professional like Dan Wiederer doesn't get it. Are you angry? Well, you know, I agree with you. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs>
I mean, like, again, I still thought that there was a shot that they could potentially win this year. Um, you, you convinced me a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, just to get Nagy out of the way, I thought it would be a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, again, not to say, well, I'm smart or whatever. And I know it's coulda, shoulda, like Parcel says, your record is what it is. But, I mean, seriously, there are a couple of things away, whether that be fumbled punt returns or the pass interference against Miami, the missed extra point against Detroit, uh, maybe that the tight end catches that pass against the commanders on that Thursday night game, Smith more set in Minnesota. There are a couple of things you could look to and they could be seven and three right now with, with the shitty defense. They could still be six and four at the very least. Mm-hmm. I mean, with a couple of things that just go the other way, just a little bit of luck. Yep. And they, and this whole thing could be turned the other way around. So I don't know that I was that off base. Maybe no, I would have been, but maybe I wouldn't have been so optimistic if you'd have told me Roquan's going to be gone or Robert Quinn's going to be gone. And I honestly didn't care about Khalil Mack being gone, but um, I wanted him back. But I mean, I didn't think that that was like, oh, now we can't win. You know, I didn't think yeah. that, but you give up Quinn and, and Roquan that does hurt the defense, but maybe Sanborn comes in and plays Roquan's role because mm-hmm. Roquan's dramatically inconsistent. It seems so. Yeah. yeah people are agreeing with you in the chat room and rightfully so. Um, the other thing is that they have, you know, th- this team started off. I am a little concerned because this team started off super disciplined. You remember their play in preseason, hardly any penalties for a bunch of ragtag like guys. Two penalties ragtag. against San Francisco in the rain, and then they have what nine Sunday? Exactly. So what's happened there? How come this, you know, disciplined theory, this hits principle, hasn't isn't getting stronger? Maybe he's not holding people accountable with that hit system. I know Jalen Johnson was injured on uh, heading into the week last week, and was he questionable on Fridays? That yes. and yeah. you know, I guess he wasn't a hundred percent. And we should praise him for trying to go, but there were numerous times where he was loafing on Sunday. Yes, there's no doubt about it. And are uh, you going to bench him? Are you going to say Jalen? Uh, you know, you're hurt, and you're giving us what you can, but you're loafing. Mm-hmm. But if you don't enforce that, then the other people may tune you out. Yeah, like oh, you're saying everyone, no one can loaf and no one can do this, but you're not doing shit. It feels like Nagy, like there's no consequences. Yeah, Cliff asks, are the players getting run down by the season so far? I, I don't think so. I think that you know the injuries. I think that um, some of these guys are just not as disciplined as they need to be. Case in point, Kyler Gordon is to me a guy that a lot of fans are down on, and I'm like, please. Don't do to him what you did to Cole Komet. Give him some time to develop. I was wrong about Komet, by the way. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that. Um, Kyler Gordon is going to be fine. Just give him some time. And I think that's what's going on, is you got guys who are just not there yet in their careers. You got the young guys, and then you got some mediocre veterans and so forth that you're not going to get that 100% consistent style. I don't see uh, fatigue as being an issue. I think that the midweek tackle practices that the Bears have had, um, I don't think that they've resumed those after like week four or five that they put a stop to them because they saw that the team was getting beat up a bit. But maybe you're right, Cliff, but my opinion is that I don't think that's a huge concern right now. All right, back to our audio. St. Brown isn't giving you much. Dante Pettis is a punt returner who's basically taking away – 
game day roster spot from a receiver because you need somebody that can be reliable enough to go catch punts for you. And so like there's just a giant leap of faith to think that the bears are going to get everything right in the next one to two years. And that's where, where, where I have more unease within me than uh, apparently the rest of the city does because everybody's so intoxicated with what Justin. It's not a matter of ease, but he's the GM like that. It's, it's his show. He's the GM. Well, you don't, I can't, I don't understand what Weeder is talking about. It. What does he want to bring in uh, me and Johnny Zanducci to, to 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 hold the draft? You know, it, this is the way the hierarchy is set. It's like okay, you have questions about Poles' ability to acquire the right players. That's fair. That's totally fucking fair. We don't know. I mean, if he has another draft like uh, this year, then we're going to be a little concerned because we don't want to draft another wide receiver who isn't uh, 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 accomplishing things. But we do have to have some trust that now that he's got his scouting system uh, department the way he wants, that this draft is going to be better than the last draft. And we got better draft picks. We got uh, uh, a more of an arsenal of draft assets. Tony, Tony, right now, I think you get the chat room award of the night until somebody uh, steps forward. That is totally correct, what you wrote there. Weederer does not understand rebuilding. It's, and which is astonishing to me and leads me to think that maybe Dan Aguirre is right. Maybe he is a negative Nancy. Maybe he is a, a, a Danny Downer. <laughs> <laughs> New nickname for you, Dan Weeder, Danny Downer. Michael says a huge concern of mine is Alan Williams. You get a tough cut of meat, you have to doctor it up. He's not showing any imagination, and that's scary. And Michael, that's something that Dan Aguirre has voiced too. And so I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, we saw when uh, they blitzed on that one key play, we saw the Lions take advantage and get into scoring position, and that was the game. When you blitz a lot, you're putting a lot of onus on that young secondary, on guys like Kyler Gordon uh, uh, and uh, and the guys in the dime uh, package. Kendall Vildor is now, for the first time ever, I'm, I'm starting to worry that maybe he's not going to cut it. Um, so it, it's a dangerous thing to blitz and, and leave those guys out there on an island. On top of that, it's not like the blitzes have been so effective. You know, it's a, it would be cool if we could say, hey, all we got to do is blitz, man, and we'll at least put pressure on the quarterback. Fuck, there's been a lot of times where blitzes have been called and the quarterback has perfect protection. So that's an issue. Dan, when you, are you back? Dan Aguirre had to go take a piss. It's got to be one of those long fucking Austin Powers pisses. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, what do we got here? Uh signed a corner today oh yeah cj williams says they signed a corner today and um um i did a little research on the guy the guy has got the size you want for a cornerback his, his last name is lane i forgot his first name and he's six foot two 195 pounds he runs a four five he was drafted in the third round by the steelers unfortunately he didn't have a good camp with them with them he was released after a season and uh he was signed by the Giants. The Giants released him yesterday, so he was available, and the, and the Bears picked him up. And my concern, Dan Aguirre, is that the reason the Bears picked up this cornerback 
lane is because they're worried about Jalen Johnson's injury and Jalen Johnson might miss another game or two. And they wanted a, another defensive back. Uh, Plus Vildor. Yes. Vildor's hurt too. That's exactly right. Uh, and I was saying while you were gone that, you know, for the first time I'm having starting to have doubts about my man, Ken, Kendall, uh, making it in this league. He's, you know, you can't give up his performances against Dallas and, um, and uh, Miami was just not good. Not good. Anyway. The last place team that is injured and not very good and doesn't really believe in itself. And you lead by 14 in the fourth quarter and your offense has five possessions to seal a game and you lose. Why, why doesn't, why don't people care about that? Well, I think it's, it's how you define care. Because, it, I mean, you don't want to lose. Ideally, you'd probably rather win. But, the, but I don't think they're any further away from winning a Super Bowl because of the outcome. Are they any closer on the 50-yard touchdown? We went all the way back to the fucking beginning. That's why it sounded like we heard it before. <laughs> where, where I have more unease within me than apparently the rest of the city does because everybody's so intoxicated with what Justin It's said. not a matter of ease, but he's the GM. Like that, it's, it's his show. He's the GM. Well, you don't have a choice. When he says intoxicating, that sounds negative. What was that then? When he says the word intoxicating, everyone's so intoxicated with Justin, that he's saying it straight face like it's not an insult, but that's an insult. It is. He's saying that everyone is just bought in and there's no reason to buy in. And it kind of reminds me when Michael Lombardi was like in 2018 saying, all these Trubisky jerseys, you're going to be seeing them on a discount rack by 2020. Right. Now that proved to be true, but at the time it still felt like fuck you. And that's exactly the way I feel about everyone's so intoxicated by Fields. Fields has earned that. Right. Fields He's has earned that. everyone's adoration at this point. Right. Dan Weeder, what's the most important position on a football team? Cornerback, Aldo. All right. So why shouldn't we be intoxicated with the fact that we have a great, a burgeoning great quarterback? Of course it's great. Now, we also, Dan Weeder, understand that other pieces have to be added to the piece. Nobody said that this was a one-year rebuild. When he says that himself, he's like, there's 37 other positions that need filled, but when one guy is excelling in spite of all of those holes, then you're criticizing him for not winning when you've already acknowledged that there are the other holes, and he's actually done enough in so many other games that he's carried the team. And what was one of the things you always say that maybe Cutler couldn't do, even I would admit. He didn't raise everybody else up around him, right? He wasn't the best leader. He's the guy that could take care of himself, but maybe not everybody else around him, right? Well, Fields has made everybody else better. How many times have we almost won this season, even though we're still three and seven? You are what you are, right? But how many times has Fields made the put the team in position to win by himself? And you got to give the line credit too uh, on some of the you know these blocks or St. Brown or people downfield, but still. For the most part, he's been doing it by himself. Right. So all of his criticism seems like to use the cliche, he's talking on one side of his mouth on the other one too. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like WSCR say, hey, can you guys mix it up a little today? You know, last last week's show was a little boring. You know, can we do can you do your shtick, you know, where you fucking disagree with everything that the sky is not blue and stuff? That's what, what, what Mitch Rosen, who lets the score over there, probably told those guys. No choice but to go. We like we they're not hiding the ball on us. They're they're not. We know this was the burn it down year. This was the the, the dead cap space year. But even that, but Dan, they, even they, inside that, you can but, make bad decisions. Okay. And 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 I think that there there is an argument to be made 
And Ryan Poles has made a couple of them. I wouldn't I, – look, if, if Valus Jones wants to go out there now, now that the season's pretty much shot as far as whatever you wanted to pretend it was going to be record-wise, if, you, if Valus Jones wants to go out there and drop punts until he catches them, and, and, I, I have no problem with that. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that now. You can get, you can get done with the, the folly of, ooh, maybe they make the playoffs. Maybe they, that, that's fine. We well, have, no, no, no. You know. I mean, let, let, let's be clear. Like, anybody who was on that boat, like, that boat is going to an island that it should stay at, right? Like, anyone who <laughs> thought that, the, that, that this had a playoff season and, you know, whatever else, like, just, just set that boat out to, to, to sea and, and, and let it never come back. Like, I've never been concerned with the win-loss record in here. What I'm saying these last couple of weeks is when your offense and your future star quarterback has the ball in game-deciding moments down the stretch, it should matter to you on whether he builds experiences and builds an inventory of successes that helps the, the, the franchise go forward. And yesterday, guys, go back and watch the, the entirety of the fourth-quarter offense. Top to bottom, quarterback, receivers, offensive line, uh, decision-making, coaching, all of it. It was trash. It yep. was trash. And you, and you lost to a trash football team. He was right uh, about that, that it was trash. The fourth quarter was not the Bears' best quarter by any means. Uh, and But he's wrong about dissing on the Lions as badly. Yes, the Lions have had a poor record. But again, I, I, I'll say it again. The Lions have more talent than the Bears. That's where they are in their rebuilding. And the Bears, Bears were one interception away from winning that game. Exactly. Once again, or a missed extra point. I mean, they, uh, he's right about the offense being stagnant in the fourth quarter. Maybe we can blame Getsy for that. You can't blame all of that on fields. Maybe some of it's on fields. Maybe some of it's on the offensive line. There are numerous things you could say, but to use that as your justification that fields isn't the quarterback is just mm-hmm. insanity to me. Yeah. And, and there's this air that this is how you define the season. That what happened against the Detroit Lions is what defines this the season. There's seven more fucking games left, dude. Yeah. Exactly. That's a lot of fucking football. I I'm old enough to remember when there were 12 game regular regular seasons. So this is more than half uh, half of those. So there's still a lot of football. I understand the concern. We all would have loved Justin Fields. And I again, like I said earlier, I truly expected him to lead us to that game winning touchdown. I understand the frustration. But Justin Fields will get better. This will get fixed. That you had a 14-point lead on. And so now, if, you, if we're going to agree that the Lions are trash and the Lions just beat you on your mm-hmm. home field, then you're trash, right? And so We, so know, we the, know that, though. We know they're bad. Okay, but, but so, so, so then what, what have we actually unlocked here? That's my question is what, is, what has actually been unlocked here? The quarterback. What, what has been unlocked is that we are seeing special playmaking ability from the quarterback that was still in question. Until sure. we came into this season. So seeing that, right. that that not only is he capable of making incredible plays, but he's capable of doing it under duress, I think is really valuable. And we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that he's done special stuff. But I think that, yes. that, that your argument about him being surrounded with things that will end up making him better overall is, is a, a fair one. Um, because I, I wonder Cause, yeah, about that. The too. question is, the question is when, right? Lawrence, like the question is when, like when, when is he going to have enough support? Well, where he's gotten support, I think is from ever since the mini buy. Yeah. Luke he, has done a great job. Yes. He's gotten support from play callers who are ready to maximize what he does to build out outward from what he can do now and to showcase everything that he can do. I, I think that that vote, that that support is critical, regardless yeah. of any other bums on the roster. For me, the headline is... And that is the, the most important point right there. 
is building outward. We know now that we've got a quarterback that can fucking run the ball unlike anyone in history. Now let's continue to work with him in the passing game. And we saw there were to get ready for tonight's show. I put on the uh, NFL provides YouTube with like a 12 minute highlight package of the game. So I went back and looked at the highlights and there were a half dozen plays where fields is surrounded by pass rushers. And he, he uh, maneuvered himself in the pocket and then he would look up to see if there was a receiver and he launched the ball and he threw it right there. And there was a first down pickup. This has been generally increasing every week where he's getting this comfort level in the pocket. Yeah. Even on, when the pocket is under duress, he's just getting more comfortable. So he's building up these passing credentials that I think guys like Dan Weeder are overlooking because they're so amazed by the 67 yard run. You know, there's improvement here in the passing game. And then when you factor in the fact that you got equanimous St. Brown, God bless him. He's an excellent blocker and stuff, but if he couldn't become a star wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers, why should we expect him to become a star receiver with a young quarterback? So I'm done. <laughs> Is that the that, end of the clip? That's yes. I'm sorry. I should have told you that. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, well, there was no fanfare at the end. I was so frustrated after the Washington loss that I said, you know, I wasn't going to defend the bears anymore, but yet here I am. And, but I honestly believe I'm not even in the minority at this point on fields. Like not even just from bears fans. I feel like the media has come around on him too. In, in, in a national sense, like, you know, supposedly objective and not partisan toward a specific team. So I don't think that the argument on fields is like something I'm shouting at or like Sonny was at the beginning of the season, uh, Jovanovic, where we were saying that, uh, you know, hey, uh, Justin's a real, the real deal. And everyone's like, well, we got to wait and see. But I, I don't think that's a minority opinion anymore. I totally agree with you. And you know, one thing that bothers me from the national media is that you get your some of your so-called experts and say, yeah, but he's still not throwing the ball the way he should. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But he's getting better at it. Don't you see it? I mean, uh, man, just look at the highlight clip that I just mentioned from NFL films. He did some beautiful things. The presence in the pocket is getting better and better and better. Now we just got to solidify this offensive line. Make sure we got, Five excellent guys going into next season, and they they you know one. I am a little bit concerned about Lucas Patrick at center for next season. Uh, uh, Greg thinks he's we're going to be fine with Lucas Patrick at center, but I I don't know between Mustafa and Lucas Patrick. I'm staying up at nights <laughs> wondering what the fuck. Speaking of staying up at nights, you know what time it is, uh, Dan Aguirre? It Sounds like it's time for Mister Santucci to. Uh... <laughs> Part of the show. Uh, comes in. Here we go. Here I am. Their state of affairs. Literary grandeur. He tells us <laughs> their state of affairs. <laughs> their state of affairs. Week nine. Run, Justin. Run. Week ten. Same script, different game. Well, Barflies. Last Sunday's thirty to thirty-one loss to the Detroit Lions was a frustrating affair, full of the same peaks and pitfalls that we've come to expect with the 2022 Chicago Bears. There were lead changes, blown leads, 
electrifying Justin Fields runs, a chance to win the game at the end, and terrible calls and non-calls by officials who at this point seem to be trying their best to ensure the Bears lose all the games they are supposed to lose. I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but several blatant referee calls that went against the Bears these past few weeks have definitely cost the Bears some wins. In fact, aside from the Seattle Seahawks, the Bears are the most bet-on team in the NFL last Sunday. When crucial calls keep going against the Bears in such an obvious and blatant way, it really makes you wonder. It makes you scratch your head, by golly. It's gotten so bad that Anthony and I have come to automatically bet the opposite team whenever so many bets are on one side in an NFL match. And it's working. The NFL has gotten gross. Whether it's a missed call with the game on the line or a non-call at a crucial moment, the Bears' front office can only send so many examples of blown official calls to the NFL headquarters, pointing out what appears to be an obvious bias. And while soft-brained Lions fans, who really don't know football anyways, are calling for Bears fans, are calling Bears fans sore losers, many folks around the media landscape are also pointing out the same obvious anti-Bear calls by officials. In fact, as a Bears fan, I have to wonder how long this can go on. It's possible we could see this behavior continue until the end of the season. That way, the seeming anti-Bears bias can be forgotten, and by the start of next season, seemingly wiped from the NFL collective memory banks. What more can I say about the Bears? That we can't stop the run? That we suck at zone coverage? That we can finally put up 30 points a game, only to give up 31 or more every week? That we can't win against both our opponents and the officials? That the Bears' margin for error is so razor-thin that we can't even allow a missed extra point by our field goal kicker, who can make 40 field goals in a row but seems to have a problem with extra points. That we have to, that we have a future superstar quarterback who has to suffer through a painful rebuild full of character-building moments. Okay, I, I just said all of these things, but I could say one thing more. At the risk of feeding the trolls like Don Burr, and that is I would not trade rosters or our franchise future with the measly Lions for anything in the world. We have a quarterback capable of changing the fortunes of this franchise for years to come. Like, for example, after the Lions game, Justin Fields became the first Bears player to rush for 147 yards in back-to-back games since Walter Payton, who had 155 yards against the Cowboys and 154 yards against the Saints in Weeks 5 and 6 in 1984. Fields also set a Bears record for the longest touchdown by, run by a quarterback with a 61-yarder last weekend against the Dolphins. And guess what? Then he eclipsed it with the team record 67-yarder Sunday against the Lions. He is a threat to score every time he touches the ball. Name a player on the Lions who can do that. What's more, the quarterback wants to win so badly for his team and our team that he will sit at his locker in full uniform for an hour after everyone has left. This is a player who wants to win as much as Bears fans. Hell, I'll go out on a limb and say that Justin Fields wants to win more than Bears fans. Listen, Barflies, I know this loss to the Lions stings, but we are literally watching history being made. For example, against the Lions, Justin Fields became the first quarterback in the Super Bowl era to rush for two touchdowns, throw a pair of touchdowns, and rush for 100 yards in a single game. As well, Justin Fields also became the first quarterback in NFL history to record touchdown runs of 60 yards or longer in consecutive games. I ask you again, which player on the Lions could do that? You have to look on the bright side, though. 
there are so many positive things to come around from this season. Like Justin Fields setting NFL records at Bears team records. Like the Bears being the only team in NFL history now to rush for more than 225 yards in five consecutive games. And like the emergence of young players like Cole Komet, who has four touchdowns in his last two games. Like Jaquan Brisker, who continues to make plays on defense. And like Jack Sanborn, who's racking up sacks and when he's not getting his game-changing interception overturn, is making impact plays all over the field. Barflies, there are plenty of reasons for optimism in this season of frustrations. The biggest of which is the bona fide fact that the Bears have a franchise quarterback. I stand by what I said last week. The Bears have an electrifying player who is destined to be one of the NFL's shining stars. Bears fans, we haven't felt this tingly since Devin Hester was being ridiculous. Let's face it, even though they're losing, the Bears are fun to watch. It's undeniable that viewers around the country are tuning in to see what Justin Fields will do next. Listen, next week the Bears travel to Atlanta to face the upstart Fal Falcons, who can run the ball almost as good as the Bears, and are probably kicking themselves for passing on Fields in the 2021 NFL Draft. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one more thing, Bears fans. Bears players better come together as a team, tighten up the mistakes and penalties, come prepared to stop the run, and rally around Justin Fields. We all need to rally around Justin Fields. If we don't, a quarterback who cares so much about winning might get to a point where he's the first one out of the locker room rather than the last. And that is Bears State of Affairs. Woo! <laughs> My man, I love Chitlin says, you do just do a slam poetry about football. <laughs> And then, oh, he said, then he went on he said something really cool where is it I forgot to save it oh, he says this guy meaning you needs like 20 black people yelling oh snap and overreacting to this and you have a very funny scene in the movie <laughs> very 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 well written Johnny Santucci and I could not agree with every any anything else I mean it was fantastically uh, put together preach it to yeah. says Toa I wanted um, to write funny stuff tonight although but i couldn't because it was bittersweet yes but there was also you know uh the under the silver lining mm -hmm. you know of the fact that we have you know this superstar man a 67 yes. yard touchdown run mm -hmm. you know to take it to the house at any point in time i don't yeah. know how many how many players are there in the nfl like that for seriously i mean you've got the guy in baltimore lamar yeah. uh, um who else uh dan Aguirre. i can't Jimmy think of anything else yeah, Tyree, Tyree Hill. Know, outside the quarterback position, definitely. Yeah, outside any player I'm talking about, any position, gotcha. you know. Yeah, uh, I mean he, he's in that small group. I, I I would put together a list of when Derrick Henry is playing well. I mean, uh, it, he's a, a treat to watch because he's just bulldozing players. He's like Earl Campbell was at his yeah. prime. Some oh, yeah. great power backs, Larry Zonka. I remember as a kid. Um, if you're talking wide receivers. Uh, you have to put Justin Jefferson in there. Oh my gosh! Yes, uh, Chargers and then Packers. And oh my gosh, that was awful when he was at the Packers. I hated it because I wanted him to be a Bear so badly. Fuck. So Tooch, um, this upcoming game against Atlanta, you mentioned it in your. Which, what, what are we calling that segment now? Bear State of Affairs, but 
Mm -hmm. I kind of like the uh, the the poetry thing. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> slam poetry with Tooch. Yeah, slam poetry. I, I like getting to yell at the end. Mayor, state of affairs. Yeah, that was that was a nice touch. Handling my inner uh, Jeff Joniak. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the Solana game, guys. Uh, I I I think that these teams are really equally matched. They this team, in fact, may want to lose more than the Bears. Which is that's why a, I think the Bears can go down that win. I'm sorry. That's a that's a great question, Aldo. Do we do we want to keep losing? You mm -hmm. know, just to get better. <laughs> no way. Have? I got to. I have to interject. I don't think you got two men that were both general managers of this organization that were both fired, mm -hmm. and that you know at the end of the day thought that their vision was cut short. Mm -hmm. There's no way if you're not the guy that was fired that you're not like fuck. They did it too soon. I didn't deserve this. Fuck this team, this organization. You know, this is their revenge game. And may I remind you, Ryan Pace tried to draft Mariota that year when he was coming out. Remember that they wanted, was it two first round picks for us to move up to second? And, and it was too steep. Yes. Thank God. So, I mean, and now they've got the quarterback he wanted six years ago mm -hmm. against the team that both sent them packing. They're, and they're at home. Man, they want to win. They want to win. I love what Stephen Mee says. We can lose better than Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget our last trip to Atlanta, which was uh, what I was saying about Clay Claypool earlier. That's when they put uh, Nick Foles in, and he told Anthony Miller just to run, run right there by the goalpost. That's where I'm throwing you the ball, mm -hmm. and and he caught the touchdown. I mean, I. Uh, and it's just like, why can't we do that with Fields and Claypool? Just run right here, and I'm going to throw it to you here. You don't even have to know anything. You're a superb athlete. You have size. Go run, and I'll throw you the ball. I mean, how difficult is, is football yeah. sometimes? You could come in on one or two plays and just, you know, run run the double move and go deep. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was Trubisky's kind of his last stand Yeah, was that game. Uh, that's when Foles got put in there. Hey, regarding Valus Jones, look at what happened with Christian Watson. I mean, he, the guy drops his first pass that Aaron Rodgers throws to him, and it was a sure touchdown. And then uh, in the subsequent games, he was playing tremend uh, tremendously poor. Packers fans are saying, what a fucking bust this guy is and so forth. And then this past Sunday, he catches three touchdown passes. That can happen to Valus Jones. That that can happen. He can, you know, at his next uh, playing time, he could deliver a touchdown or two, and all of a sudden people will be like, oh, yes, okay, that's what we were expecting. I mean, a a any of you guys disagree with that? So, yeah, I, I don't know, know if Bayless deserves to start Sunday, but if he no, does, I I'm going to be rooting for him. I think, like we said earlier, I, I think he has to play himself back into the lineup. Yes, I agree with that. But at, at a certain point, you know, if – He's having good practices, and you've got a decision to make over him and Dante Pettis. Well, Pettis is returning the punts right now, and you can't trust Velas to do it. So it's going to put him up. And again, Nikhil Harry's the one that I want to get playing time right now because you have to figure out if you're going to resign him. Would you be upset, guys, if you saw Velas Jones returning punts in Atlanta? No, I mean, I'd be rooting for him, but I would also be scared every time the ball's in the air. Yeah, because eventually you got to throw him back on there. Don't you think, Tooch? Tooch is... <laughs> what, what do we got to lose? <laughs> what do we got to lose? 
<laughs> a bet. What if right. you put him out there and he fumbles another one? Uh, what if, like, the first one he goes back and he fumbles again? Then uh, you give him a one-way ticket to Palookaville. <laughs> That's, yeah, like, I don't know, man. Maybe I... I just, maybe you just don't even put him back there to do punt returns until next summer. You know, I, and Pettis is 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 on the uh, game day addresses on game day because he he's not just a punt returner. He's a guy that understands this offense. You know, having mm-hmm. played in it, you know, on other teams. I think he was. Uh, I forget who he was drafted by. He was on the 49ers, You know, who last last season, Dante Pettis. Oh yeah, uh, he he dresses on game days because he understands the philosophy of the West Coast offense. Supposedly you know, a very good he, route runner. Yeah, he makes some, he, he he's made some plays in the passing game as a receiver, and then made some plays in the game as a punt returner. Mm-hmm. You know that's why he's he dresses right now. Yeah, Tor, I love what Tor says here. He says so. Valus could be Christian Watson, <laughs> three touchdowns, or Amari Rogers, who got cut today by the Packers. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 could be. I, I doubt that they'll cut Velas unless there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know. You know, he's a a, 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 a pickpocket or something. Um, yeah, that's there. There, there were questions about every, Willie Galt's hands too, though, when he first started talking about Watson. Very good you know. point. They're going to give every, him every opportunity to you know get it together. He'll be in camp next season, and hopefully, you will get it together. Um, well, just to interject on Willie, please. Willie, you, that that's true. But at least Willie was still catching touchdowns in his rookie year. I mean, that's true. Yeah, it's like he may have been dropping some passes, but along the way, he's still catching the bombs. Mm-hmm. So I, I you know, I hate to say this, but you know, Bayless Jones, you're no Willie Galt, sir. <laughs> Indeed. So uh, Dan. There has been a couple of really good Atlanta Falcons, Chicago Bears games in recent history. Of course, we'll never forget the uh, wasn't a great game because uh, Tariq Cohen got hurt in that game. But that was the comeback. that's one I was just talking about with Foles. Okay, that that was the comeback game. It was great. There was yeah. another one that you and I were talking about in text. What was that? Two thousand five game when Rex came back in. Yes. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, tell us about that because as I remember that game. It was Sunday night football, right? It's on ESPN back then. Sunday night was on ESPN and ABC had Monday night and it's cold. It's really cold. I remember Alex Brown talking before the game. He's like, man, I'm from Florida. I don't like this shit. (laughs) And uh, Barry was talking about on NFL films that his snot was frozen to his, his helmet Mm -hmm. because his nose was running and it froze the snot. He was telling Lovey, he's like, my snot's frozen on my helmet. Mm-hmm. So that's how cold it was. And Michael Vick, whom we can sort of compare fields to, was a little bit gun shy and didn't want to really run that night mm-hmm. and didn't want to get hit. And Atlanta was being completely outplayed, yet we still had like a three to three game. And I'm going to hit pause for or turn my mic off because I'm about to burp. Hold on. <laughs> burp. <laughs> There you go. Well, we should so, have heard that. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Well, I'm trying to have some etiquette here. <laughs> so it was still like 3-3 late in the first half. And then Moussin Muhammad uh, is yelling at Kyle Orton because Kyle's like 2 of 12 from 6 yards or some mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Olin, of course, being Olin, comes in and pushes Muhammad away immediately when he's running his mouth and tells him basically to shut the fuck up. Yeah, right here. He misses Moussin. Moussin's going to get pissed. Yeah, right there. Right. So – 
They bring Rex in, who's been out since the right here. It is this is old. See, get the fuck yep. out of here. Yep. Rex comes off the bench for the first time since injuring his ankle in the preseason against the fucking Rams. First play, Rex is going to come in the game, throw the ball to Musa Muhammad, first down. So the Bears give him a standing ovation on his entry, and then that first pass to Musa Muhammad. He gets two standing ovations in like 30 seconds, but Rex is going to get picked off right here too. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> let's not you know forget rex is good rex and bad rex <laughs> but yeah ultimately this is going to be the game that brings rex back and next week on christmas uh we're going to win the division in green bay with rex starting oh man. so we can't forget about that uh but yeah that that was a fun game because again i was a grossman guy and just thought like man he's got such bad luck he you know he blew his knee out scoring a touchdown in the metrodome in 04 and then 05, he gets hurt in the, the Trans World Dome where the Rams played at the time and gets carted. And I loved it. And he's on the cart and he slams his helmet and he's like, God damn it, or whatever. They, they zoomed in on his lips mm. and they were criticizing him because he's upset for being hurt. Like, what the fuck, man? Mm. So, and then Rex, uh, you know, comes back next year and he starts out. Uh, he's the NFC Player of the Month in 06. I still think to this day, Rex had so much potential and they just pulled the cord in 07. And they're like, oh, we're going to Kyle Orton, which means nothing. No excitement, no points, no yards, nothing. We're just Mr. Like, you know, he's the guy that may, maybe does enough to make you come. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. You know, it's just like there's no fucking dramatic flair of anything. I know they, I understand why they tried Greasy, mm -hmm. but to me, Orton is, is, and he lines up with us politically. So to prove a point, I'm not just saying like, I, like last week when someone said I, I that I didn't like Republican, like Erlacher because he's a Republican, just bullshit. But uh, my point being that Orton is as humdrum as you could possibly have. And I think we gave up on Rex too soon. Yeah, I don't know. I saw enough of him. I, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't 21 and 14 as a starter. It led you to a Super Bowl. Now, again, I think he, he played a lot. He, he played a large him. role in us losing that Super Bowl. As Thomas Jones agreed with, and I liked him. So I'm saying I'm not criticizing him, like, but I thought that he dealt with so much vitriol when he's in Chicago. How someone robbed his sister just because it was who she was. Yeah, that's stupid. That's fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah so many people just didn't like Rex because he was Rex. But uh, a couple other Falcons games, if you wanted a reference. Yes, but uh, I got to share this with you. I don't know if you oh, saw go ahead, it. Go ahead. Sorry. Was, uh, that you have a memory like Mary Lou Henderson. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Really? Yeah, she, I don't. That super hot actress who was in the TV series um, uh, Taxi with Danny DeVito. I remember Taxi, but it's a little bit before my time. Uh, two, who else? What else was Mary Lou Henner in? She was in a couple of uh, movies, <clears throat> one with John Travolta, I want to say. Mary Lou Henner is an incredibly sexy woman, <laughs> which is funny yeah, that you associated with Mary Lou Henner, <laughs> Dan. But she had a a photographic memory, and she would describe it like that. It was like I a remember DVD hearing about that. that. That she can store things in her mind like a DVD has chapters, and uh, she, you could tell her December fourth, uh, two thousand and four, and she'll tell you something that happened that day. It's it's fucking unbelievable. I. Dan's in comparison, and this is real. This isn't me just bragging on myself. Or mm -hmm. usually, if I look at a disc, you know, and see the game, whatever game it is, let's just say I just pull a disc out of my fucking wallet, and I'm like, okay, Bears, 
Falcons 1993, just as an example. I can tell you who I was watching a game with. I wow. can I can usually tell you what was going on that day, the circumstances around it, and uh, definitely who I was dating, who I was fucking. And it, um, not that I was dating and fucking in 93. I didn't start fucking in 95. But anyway, the point is most things I can remember by looking at the disc, and I can almost be transported back to that day to <laughs> tell you who I was with, what what was going on and everything. And that that's not a put on and that's not, uh, it's not me lying or fronting and I do it effortlessly. And it, like I said, if, if irony is, is real, uh, and if I live to, you know, to be an older guy, I'll probably get dementia because again, the irony is my memory is my strength. So why wouldn't that be the thing taken away? You know, Tooch, he's not lying. He has sent me texts bef before where he says, uh, yeah, this game happened. I actually got fucked that night. Uh, you know, that's the first time I had anal. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll, it's not who, who he had sex with, but he'll remember details about the sexual act. <laughs> that's, he's unbelievable. I definitely remember like who I watched every Super Bowl with and things like that. You know, like if I, you know, and like I said, the circumstance, who was at our house, those kind of mm -hmm. things if I was a kid. Ah, there's Cliff to the rescue. Uh, Cannonball Run 2. She's 70 now. But she was also in another movie uh, that was popular. But anyways, uh, Google her when you get a chance, uh, uh, Dan. And when you're ready to like masturbate, Google, Google Mary Lou Henner. Do you want me to, to freestyle some uh, Bears Falcons memories for you? Yes, please. Uh, 90. Uh, I, and again, I, I saw this so long ago, but we had a shootout with them at Soldier Field in 90. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a really high score and the Bears came out front. It seems like Andre Risen scored a bunch for them and Chris Miller, the Bears won. It was like 40 to something to whatever. I don't remember the exact score, but the dichotomy being in 93, when they come back to Chicago, we win six, nothing, I think with two Butler field goals. Hmm. I mean, you never, it's like you never win a game like that, not even fucking scoring a touchdown. And they did. And I, I watched that game live too. Uh, let's see. Uh, anything else? Bears, Falcons in the 90s that sticks out. We lost home in 98 in the Georgia Dome. That was their Super Bowl year. And uh, that was when Kramer was hurt. So Steve Stenstrom was in there. And we actually played them very well and almost upset them. But speaking of being upset, any reference to Steve Stenstrom upsets me to this day. So, <laughs> how about how about two thousand one, Chicago at Atlanta? Erlacher gets the interception, runs down the field, and starts hitting on the Falcons cheerleaders as he's scoring. Nice. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, we won. The, the, that was Michael Vick's debut. Uh, Chris Chandler, who whom took them to the Super Bowl in in ninety eight, would be a Bear in 02, ironically, and 03. Uh, gets injured, and the people in the Georgia Dome cheer him being hurt because Michael Vick comes off the bench. That's his first action against the Bears, uh, against anybody. You know, then in 2002, Vick is completely the starter, and the Bears lead 14-13, and their kicker, whomever was kicking from them in 2 misses a field goal to lose the game. And after the game, Michael Vick claimed that the Bears were intentionally trying to hurt him. But we won because of a missed field goal in 02. Yeah, I vaguely remember those. Uh, so 01 was a big blowout. We won like 31 3 or something. Uh, 05, the one we just talked about in the in the cold. Mm -hmm. 08 was the, uh, or 09 was a 
Sunday night game with Cutler where we almost won and didn't. And then 08's the one that we've talked about before where uh, the Bears had the lead with 12 seconds to go and Lovey Squib kicks it. And the Falcons get it at almost midfield. They complete one pass. Jason oh. Meeland comes on the field, kicks a field goal, and we lose. That's Remember that game? Yes. I forgot about it until now. Yeah. Yeah. Lovey Squib had Robbie Gold Squib kick it, and Matt Ryan completed one pass in the sidelines, and Jason Elam come in and kick the field goal. Like I said, 09, we lost him on Sunday night. 11, we beat them on opening day uh, and blew them out. Fairly, it was a, like 30 something to like 18, 36, 18, something like that. Mm-hmm. Beat them on opening day in 2011. Uh, 14, Jay went down there. And uh, and had a ball game. Uh, I think we were like three and three after we we beat them in fourteen. Jay was slinging a rock around. We won in the Georgia Dome. Seventeen it was the Mike Glennon game. The Falcons had just gone to the Super Bowl and blew that twenty eight to three lead. They come to Soldier Field opening day. The Bears have first and goal from the five yard line to defeat to defeat the reigning defending NFC champions. And Jordan Howard would drop the ball on third and goal. When it hit him right in the fucking hands. And I love Jordan Howard, but he dropped the touchdown. Glennon drove us down the field. I hate Mike Glennon, but he drove us down the field and should have won. And here goes you. You want to hear the fucking sex thing? This was, I think, the last time that I slept with my wife. Um, She felt normally she'd be like, he's so upset over the fucking Bears. Grow up. But she felt so badly for me after this Bears lost first and goal in the five that she gave me sympathy pussy. Nice. Yeah, and we were already going through like, you know, our stuff and was it was clearly over. But even so, she gave me sympathy pussy after the Bears lost to Atlanta on opening day in 17. Mm-hmm. So there's some quick memories of Bears Falcons games past. Pretty cool. How about 85. The Bears beat them in 85. Well, yeah, somebody up uh, put up on the screen that uh, can you talk about that 36 to nothing win the Bears over the Falcons? Walter had a big touchdown in that game where he uh, he went wide to the right mm-hmm. and showed his dexterity, man, because like he any non great athlete would have stepped out of bounds and he was able to, to stay in and had like a 40 plus yard touchdown run. And uh, David Archer was Atlanta's quarterback and he just got crushed all day. And uh, the Bears scored all those points with Steve Fuller in there. Jim McMahon was hurt. So that's my memories of that game. Walters touchdown, David Archer being sacked, and Steve Fuller playing. There was something else that happened in that game. Didn't Willie Gall catch like an 80-yard touchdown or something like that in that game? Oh, there is one more. I don't remember Willie, but the other thing, Fridge scored that day. Okay, that's probably Fridge, Fridge took a handoff and dove into the end zone from like a yard and a half out. And you, you know how Fridge was. The Fridge... Wasn't exactly a thin man, even in his uh, best days. Although he was a superior athlete, especially for his size, he really I mean, was. he was a diver at, at Clemson. So, but yeah, he dove into the end zone from about a yard and a half out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I made reference to that '93 game. I watched that live. But yeah, but Perry dove and had a touchdown against the Falcons that day too. But Walter's run was was a thing of beauty. If you yeah. can bring that up, I uh, I sent you a couple of uh, old NFL. Yeah, the 78 went against Seattle with yeah. Kurt Gowdy on the mic. I, I thought Kurt was a little overrated, but I still respect him for being a legend. But yeah, I was telling you, like the comparison at the beginning of that game, he was like, you know, the Bears, Jack Party, they made it to the playoffs last year. They start 3 0 this year, and they've since lost a bunch of games. The crowd's turning on them. The, the, the hate here in Chicago, the fury, the disappointment. And 
I was like, all those feelings he's describing is the way I feel right now. Although I don't necessarily blame, I don't blame Justin for it for sure, but I'm really disappointed in the three and seven. And it just, like I said, we could look at the officials, the coaching, just all these different things that went wrong. Mm. But I feel the way they were describing in 78. Mm. All right, guys. Does, uh, does Dan remember the uh, two games in 84, weeks five and six, where Walter had 150? Yards rushing each in those two weeks. And that's a little bit ahead of my time, but I do remember 86, 84 week six is the Jim Brown game, right? Isn't that where he plays the Saints? Yes, the Saints. That, that's where he sets the NFL's all-time leading. Uh, he becomes the NFL's all-time leading rusher that day. Mm-hmm. The Cubs were playing the Padres that day, ironically, at the same time. So it's like Walter had to split. You know, it's just like, you know, it's petty, but, you know, Walter becomes, breaks Jim Brown, the Cubs are playing. When we win the Super Bowl, everyone's talking about fridge and McMahon and the defense and Walter deserves so much more of that. You know, like, dude, you've been our team for fucking 10, 11 years. Like you're the man. And so he kind of always had to split his recognition, which it's, I mean, you know, one man shouldn't be above the team. And I don't think other than like the presser in the post game of the Super Bowl, he kind of maybe thought he was for a minute, but ultimately did the right thing. But point is, Walter shouldn't have to split all the the, the praise. But what was the other game there? Uh, you said week five. Who we played Seattle in week four of '84. Uh, the Saints in week six. Who was who was week five? You have that in front of you. The Cowboys. I don't remember that game. I know Dallas won that game. The Bears hadn't beaten Dallas in like seventy-seven years. It seems when we went to uh, Irving and, and beat them, what was it, 44 nothing the Super Bowl year? Mm-hmm. So that was the first time they'd beaten them in forever. So, yeah, so they definitely lost in 84. Hey, Dan Aguirre, you got something uh, going on with Virtual? He's saying that he uh, he wants you to sleep with one eye open. <laughs> just Dan doesn't like the Stooges, the three Stooges. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just like, what the fuck was that all about? But let's <laughs> not talk about the it. The Curly Shuffle. Wasn't there a song, The Curly Shuffle? Yes, there was. You don't like the Stooges at all, Dan? No, no. The three Stooges looked like it was filmed in 1872. <laughs> is that what bothers you about it, that is, you don't like movies i don't like the kind of humor slapping each other in the face of that fucking score like no i just don't like it it should be okay that i don't like it are you more of a march brothers guys no i don't like them good them i would rather like carl marx before i would like the marx brothers you know because i'm such a liberal communist here i'm being sarcastic what about uh laurel and hardy didn't watch any of their stuff nor did i ever see abbott and costello martin and lewis no, I didn't see any Jerry Lewis it's before my time. Jesus. Tooch, any of those that I threw out there were, were staples in your TV viewing habits? Uh, the Stooges and the Little Rascals I would watch all the time. Oh, when I, I was hate a little, little Rascals. I don't know. If, if you're a kid, it's very appealing. You know? <laughs> 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 Fucking dad didn't like anything that was black and white and funny. Nothing. <laughs> Right, I don't yeah. think that like the little rascals. I put that up there with like Leave It to Beaver or Father Knows Best, like bullshit TV. I don't like anything like that. <laughs> well, Andy Griffith, Dan, I hate that shit too. How what does Dan the- feel about uh, Justin Fields? You no, know, literally making history this year. I mean, there's so many records he's setting. You know, I love it. 555 yards rushing over his last five games are the most by an NFL quarterback in the Super Bowl era. 
325 yards on the ground, the most by a quarterback in a two-game span in NFL history, topping Lamar Jackson's 268 yards in 2019. Um, fourth player in NFL history with a 50-plus yard touchdown run and a 50-plus yard pass touchdown pass. Joining Lamar Jackson, who also did it this year, Cam Newton, 2012, and Hall of Famer Ace Parker, 1938, around the time of Little Rascals and Three Stooges. Hey, do you all think that the the worry of Fields getting hurt is overrated in the sense that, let's say it was David Montgomery or Walter Payton that was creating all these big runs, you know, and was creating all these records and was still getting hit a bunch? You know, if it's a running back, we don't act like, oh, well, they're, they're taking too many shots. You know what I mean? Like if Walter's getting hit every play and he's still carrying the ball 37 times a game, no one's going to say, oh, he's, he's getting exposed too much. But when Fields does it, they're like, oh, my God, he's not going to be able to make it. He will not make it if you keep playing like this. When his body is built, like he could be the running back. In my opinion, he looks like, like Eddie George or somebody, like just all muscle. Yes. And fast. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not worried about it when he run, runs out. Don't get me wrong. But do you think there's a chance that maybe the, the naysayers that keep screaming he's going to get hurt? Oh, God, I don't want to jinx that. But the naysayers that say his body can't take that punishment, he's not getting hit as much as Walter did or David Montgomery or Cleo Herbert if they're running the ball every play. He's not getting hit as much as he was earlier in the season because it's all much more controlled and these uh, pre-planned runs – you know, there's always the teaching slide at the end of it or get out of bounds, avoid contact. Yeah. Field yeah. talked about that in this. He's press learning to slide still a little bit. Though. He's yeah. got, it's it's a little right. bit scary. Took a couple yeah. shots last week, but yeah. But the truth <laughs> of the matter is, is that he has been hit more when he's been in the pocket. Right. Stay in there. Those have been more serious uh, uh, hits other than the two or three, you know, uh, uh, obvious fucking head hunting uh, uh, penalties on him, and those have eased up uh, uh, recently. So I, I, I'm not too worried about it. Yes, we we want him to stay in the pocket more. We want him to complete passes more. We want him to be as much of a pure passer as possible. But when you got a weapon like that, I mean, fuck, oh my god! You, if you're not using it, it's like having a big dick and not, you know, taking it out of your pants, right? <laughs> <laughs> what uh dan do you have any any message <laughs> do you have any message for bears fans who said justin fields was a bust <laughs> oh, well i thought that cole Komet was a bust and i i was wrong and i'm glad that i was wrong because i hope that we have a guy that we can resign so the people that thought Fields was a bust, uh, can admit that they were wrong too. I'm sure they won't though. They'll just say that, ah, I liked him the whole time. Perfect message. Mm -hmm. Indeed. I'm so do, uh, happy with. I do. I do have a couple things. Maybe you guys want to comment on if do we have time or. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So here's, this is a guy we've talked about in the past uh, on this show. Throw it up there. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Winsock. Mike oh my God. <laughs> Before he said, uh, uh, oh my he's like God. the worst quarterback in the league. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, look at him, uh, this week. He's just so impressive. He's just special in every way. What the fuck? Come on, who are you crapping? Is that, is that the right? 
This is like perfect for who you crap. No shit. The score. How perfect is that? Uh, I mean, and, and it's not. He's he's like not acknowledging. Maybe he has, but is Marts acknowledging what he said earlier? I mean, you know, I think he's got early onset. If I can quote Jay Cutler from 2011. Tell Mike I said fuck him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you remember that against uh, the Vikings? Yep, absolutely. Uh, I got another one for Danny here. All right. Here's a yeah, bear stat. Read it out, read it out loud. Though. Here's wow. a bear stat. I'm sure I'll get reasonable responses to. Roquan Smith had his first 10 tackle multi sack game in his 27th start. Jack Sanborn did it on Sunday. Is just his second career start. Thought that was yep. pretty interesting. Yeah, you know. Uh, What's Roquan doing in Baltimore, by the way? Uh, I, I think he had a good game last week, though. Um, yeah, he's playing. He's playing well. I mean, yeah. he's got to learn that defense, but he's still the same linebacker. He's he's gifted athletically, and yeah. that, that counts for something. Now he's yep. not. You know, he's, he's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. But the, yeah. watch when he signs his next contract, he will be the highest paid linebacker in pro football. Bank on it. I'm not saying he's the best, but he will be the highest paid because it's his turn among those elite linebackers. He's, you know, he's got the leverage, he's got everything going. And unless something terrible happens to him on the football field, he's going to get paid. He's Although get paid. You, you didn't put Marilou Hender up, did you? Yes, I <laughs> did. Oh, you I was did? trying to distract Dan when nice. he was uh, talking. Very nice. Look at that. What do you think, Dan Aguirre? Oh, yeah. What Anatomically, what are those? Mammary glands. Yeah. Those are uh, quite impressive, and she's the one with the fantastic memory, and I personally will never forget those tits <laughs> ever in my life. Yeah. They don't want to be accused of being a fucking chauvinist now. Come on now. Uh, you know what? I am some days. Uh, am I allowed? <laughs> <laughs> I've been making stupid jokes uh, to my wife, and and she's ready to smack me, man. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> um, you got anything else, Tooch? I have a music video that I did a while back when Justin Fields is drafted. All right, you gonna play that video? Want to uh, to hear it? Yeah. Okay. All right. For the best to draft a good QB But now the Bears drafted you Together we'll make history And I know it must be the player in you That brings out the fan in me I know I can't help myself Bears are the world to me. Fields is our QB. Fields is our new QB. Fields is our QB. Fields is our new QB. 
Mr. Santucci. Very well done. <laughs> I made that when we drafted Justin Fields and then uh, added know? some stuff from recent, but. You are going to become the uh, Byron Network's new draft doctor. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I mean, that sounds like something Phil would have done. Yeah. <laughs> Although, Good I'm, job. Sure, I'm sure Phil is criticizing it right now as, as he's watching, right, Phil? <laughs> I think somebody somebody told me they were at the Lions game. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Wow. I don't know if that's true, but. Well, I hope they're all well. Right. As do I. They, uh, that they was. Tooch on vocals and backing vocals. Took a while to nail nail that. But. Uh, somebody asked of you how many times have you uh, masturbated to this this retro? Too too many to count. <laughs> <laughs> While we have uh, Dan Aguirre here for fifteen minutes, uh, you guys want to talk about anything that you have seen? On, uh, uh, I did my homework, although streaming. Okay, Tell watched uh, Crimes of the Future. And it's very disturbing. If you yeah. it, it, neither of you have seen it, right? I have not. Oh my god! Okay, I'll just uh, I'll leave it till next week. But <laughs> so tell us what it's about. So uh, it's really hard to describe, but it takes place in like it, it doesn't tell you that it takes place in the future, but like after watching it, I assume it's taken place after the fall of mm-hmm. of society or whatever, because there's not a lot of there's no animals. There's no. Uh, there's no uh, uh, like phones and things like that. Uh, but still, there's kind of like you know a little bit of uh, almost not steampunk, but sort of uh, vintage technology. And uh, uh, people, uh, people's bodies have adapted to the future technology and the environment and plastics and chemicals and things like that to where their bodies become you know able to digest plastic in some cases and they're growing new organs to do these things and surgeries have become theater and new organs and this guy's a performance artist played by Vigo Mortensen who uh like does a theater where he you know uh exhibits his surgeries like that guy too you know nice. And like surgery kind of becomes a set substitute for sex. Nice. You know, and I'm liking this already. Comparison with sex, but it's so bizarre. I'll have to wait to, uh, for all of you. Yeah. There's all this weird technology. He has a hard time eating food. You know, it's a David Cronenberg film. So it's filled with like weird body horror. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite yeah. filmmakers. Yeah. It's uh Kristen Stewart is in it as well. It has a really good cast. Right. But uh, it's so bizarre. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether I liked it or you know, I, I can't quite put my handle on it. But it's it's very Cronenberg. So I guess I kind of liked it. But Dan Aguirre, so do you have uh, access to Netflix? I do at work. Uh, it's, it's HBO Max. I think it's on. It's I on definitely HBO. have HBO, HBO I, Max. Yeah. I pay for HBO outright. I think the Cronenberg. Maybe it's I, I like I, I, most of the things I've seen, except that fucking racing movie that he did in like '79 or whatever. That was horrible. That's one of the worst films I've ever seen. It's very disturbing, Cliff. <laughs> Do you know the movie I'm talking about, Aldo? Yeah, is it called Crash? Yeah, I don't think that's it. I could be wrong, but it's something from set. I think it's from '79. This fucking auto racing movie he did. It was just like this is the guy that did like what's that movie called, The Brood? Yes, I, I yeah. dug that one, and uh, uh, 
the one scanners and the fly and that one with uh video drone yeah yeah and then he does this racing movie <laughs> the racing movie so bad i got it i gotta find the title yeah, you've got to you've got to see how poor this movie is i am on imdb uh let's get past his acting stuff go to directing 48 credits so this is around the 1990s right no it's in the 70s oh way back i think then. it's 79 okay so uh after scanners videodrome the dead zone no, before that before oh, that the Bru- a fast company that's it yep oh man horrible and it's got uh john saxon in it i like him he's the dad in a nightmare on elm street in the original what? a great karate uh guy he was an entered the dragon with, with bruce, bruce lee, lee. Yeah. right well i i kind of dig him but the movie's just is is terrible it's fucking terrible well, you can't believe it's David Cronenberg. Well, it, it, it's it's weird because I've never fucking heard of it. Claudia Jennings is, is in it. She was hot. Yeah, that movie's terrible. <laughs> playmate, Playboy Playmate. Yes, indeedy. Yeah, she was in a roller derby movie that was pretty good because it was so bad. <laughs> One of those movies. I got to check this movie out now, uh, Dan. Fast Company, but I'm also going to check. Excuse me, this latest Cronenberg movie. I love yeah, I, I think it's, it's on Hulu. I don't know which I, I can't I don't know exactly which it could be HBO Max, could be Hulu or Stars or whatever. I don't know, but it's uh it's disturbing. Yeah, uh, I was wondering what you guys thought of it, but I don't know what to make. I got one for you, and you know, I'm gonna look like a sexist or something, but spoiler, Jamie Lee Curtis, lots of tits, lots of boobage. I, I thought that her only nude scene was in Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and, and Dan Aykroyd. But right. I was watching a film this morning at work from 84. I think it was filmed in 83, but it dropped in 84 called Love Letters. Mm-hmm. And the gist of the movie is her dad, I'm sorry, her mom dies. And she finds this whole like sleuth of letters that uh, some man had written her, her mother. Her mother was having an affair years ago and had like 50 letters, love letters from the guy that she was cheating on from Jamie Lee's dad with. Mm-hmm. And like, she basically like falls in love with this guy's poetry and the things he's saying to her mom. And she's so shocked because her mom cheated. She's like, I would have never thought that this was possible, but it inspires her to have an affair with a married man. Uh, of course she ends up falling in love with him and I didn't watch it all the way through, but they had multiple uh jamie's got the mullet there as you can see that's the guy they have uh fairly impassioned sex a couple of times like where you can see the sweat and everything and lots of boobage and i was like wow i, I, I thought trading places was it but there's two movies she's naked in. she's an incredible woman jamie lee curtis that mullet uh is wow that's all i can say it's Most it is it. straight out of 84 there huh those tits. Wow. That's all I could say. <laughs> Just kidding, everybody. Just kidding. Don. This was on a free service that uh, it's on the TV at work called Tubi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of that, Tubi. Yeah, so that's you can watch it for free on Tubi. Mm-hmm. That's what I was watching it on. Commercials, though, right? Oh, was she naked in A Fish Called Wanda? I couldn't remember that. I, I, I liked A Fish Called Wanda. I didn't remember her being naked, though. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it was more cleavage than... The hands were covering open, well, maybe? Or I don't know. Fish Called Wanda was very funny, though. Yeah, I did. Uh, Kevin Klein was really was good. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. He, he He's uh, the guy that was fucking Phoebe Cates all those years. You're talking about a beautiful yeah. woman. 
He was, was he married to Phoebe yeah, Cates? Right? Yeah, I think they still are. I think they still are too. Good for them. Yeah, she's a beautiful woman. I, I don't know if you all, if I told you, I probably told Aldo this offline. Uh, it was the 40th anniversary of Fast Times at Ridgemont High this oh, yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was reading an interview with Judge Reinhold talking about their famous scene where he's beating off and uh, Phoebe's coming out of the, the pool. Uh, what, 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 what the fuck is retro talking about? Like, what are you, a homophobe? Like, you're you one of the Browns fans now? You got a problem with gay people? Go fuck yourself, retro. For real. God damn it, man. Anyway, what was, what was I even saying? Oh, oh, so Judge Reinhold was talking about the day that Phoebe had to do that scene coming out of the pool and said that she had a meltdown on the, on, on the scene or on the set and didn't want to do it. And that the director, I forget who the director's name was. He was just, or maybe it was a woman, the director, but was saying, you signed up for this. This was in your contract. You have to do it. I mean, you knew the, about this before. And he just said, you know, God bless her. She got through it. It wasn't her best day. It was tough for her, but you know, she didn't want to do it. I felt so bad for her, but she got through it. But just an interesting, you know, story from 40 years ago. Yeah. That was God, great, she was so beautiful. Great line from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I forget Mr. Hand, the actor who was in uh, My Favorite Martian. Right? The What was the name of the actor from My Favorite Martian? I forget. Wait, wait, uh, Ray, Ray Walston. Ray, Ray Walston is uh, Sean Penn's teacher and Sean Penn is always stoned. You know, he, he comes late to class, knocks on the door. Ray Walson opens the door. He's like, can I help you? He's like, yeah, I'm supposed to be in this class. This is U.S. history. I see a globe right there. <laughs> That's like, a good impression. That's a really good impression. An excellent impression. I was like, holy shit. Who knew that Sean Penn was here? <laughs> yeah, do that it's funny again. because it's like i see a globe right there u.s history you know it's like u.s like the u.s controls the entire globe because we kind of do with the dollar and stuff very yeah. prescient but <laughs> can you do an impression with that voice and say uh uh dan and aldo bear their souls we'll be right back after this message. right it's dan and aldo bear their souls dude <laughs> that's good <laughs> that's so good I, I think you should do bear state of affairs in that voice <laughs> <laughs> maybe next week i'll do uh that well, awesome. to, oh, man can you keep that voice up any, for uh, minutes though probably not i've got a really scratchy throat like that today which i barely made it through the show but yeah we don't play any los angeles teams this year huh that'd be perfect for that <laughs> if we play an la team <laughs> Oh Lord, uh, uh, Aguirre, you seen anything that you like? Want to share? Well, I was talking about that love letter. So again, yeah, I, I, that. Kinda, yeah, how, how was it? No, it was okay. I mean, again, I don't know if I'm part of their target audience, but I'm going to watch the rest of it. I've what? been watching that uh, show on HBO that The Vow, talking about Keith Raniere. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about to uh, finish Nexium. up next week uh, with his conviction. Still yeah. watching American Horror Story, which finishes up tomorrow night as well. Mm -hmm. season 11 right uh, i think that's a, about it in terms of because ever since i got back from chicago i haven't had a day off work at all so really yeah i've worked both of my off days uh this weekend so i haven't had much time to do anything i watched that bears game <laughs> at least until i had to go to work to finish the end of it but 
That's yeah. about it. I guess I haven't really had time, and I've been working on those old '80s games for uh, for the other Dan Shorty. Cool. There's no Don Burr tonight, huh? In here, was he yeah, in here? he was supposed to come on Cliff. You know, Cliff yeah. Notes. Uh, Cliff Victoria had Don Burr supposedly going to come on the show last night. Well, what happened? I he just didn't follow through. They wanted him. They talked about like the other Dan wanted him on. You know, just to, to give the opposing view. This was before the Bears even lost. And Cliff had, he had agreed to come on with Cliff and then just didn't follow through with his word. So, Well, I want to show Don Burr something. Talk for 10 seconds. I'll be right back. 10 seconds. Uh, Tooch, that was a great Sean Penn impression, and I enjoyed (laughs) your your video as well. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. When when Fields, I I always liked Fields. You know, I was like, I just so – frustrated with the fact that we haven't really been able to nail the quarterback position, you know, uh, and, uh, we'll see, you know, the, the GM who ironically who drafted him before he was shown the door next weekend, you know, I'm sure they'll show what are the odds on them having some, uh, shots of Ryan pace in the, uh, or Phil Emery or Phil Emery or both. I don't know. What are the so odds? Who's doing the game? Do we know who the announcing crew is this week? This week, no, I don't know. But I want I wanted to do this because I keep my word fucking down. Will, will there be any shots of uh pace and emery Aldo next weekend? Oh, absolutely next weekend? over under yeah. one point five. I say over, definitely. <laughs> um Domber, I said if the Lions win, I would drink my beer out of a Lions mug. And so here oh, okay. I'm, I'm right. keeping my what, fucking word, Don Bird. What, what kind of beer is in there? And it's not Corona. I just finished nice. Will Cordero right. Patterson scored that, uh, a touchdown against us. That mug looks really frosty too. Is that frost? It, it is beautiful. Man. Only way to go. Only way to go. Do you all think Patterson scores on us? Former Not Bear. Really. Yep. Hundred percent. There's going to be a, a, a shutout. Why six nothing? Six nothing. <laughs> like that '93 game. Yeah. <laughs> Muhammad is going to get three sacks. Who's <laughs> quarterback? Well, Desmond Ritter quarterbacking, or is uh, the old man quarterbacking? <laughs> Retro stalking Dan. <laughs> like, what, what is this supposed to be? I, I, it's one of those things where they're like, I'm from New Jersey. I'm from Connecticut. I can say anything I want to you because I'm from New Jersey. Like, What, what is he supposed to be? Like, Is it supposed to be funny? Am I being too sensitive? I, I don't get this. No, I think you should be afraid. <laughs> He's from New Jersey. <laughs> Well, you know what, pal? Come blow my fucking brains up. Put me out of my misery, okay? <laughs> After the Lions game, we'll take it. <laughs> and if he's going to make West Virginia jokes, I'll make one too. Then I hope that some good old boys like Burt Reynolds is like the people that took Ned Beatty. After he shoots me, I hope he's fucking his ass till he's crying. Holy shit. By a bunch of That's- savage rednecks with banjos playing, which isn't where I live at all. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't I mean, understand like why there's heat between me and him because I didn't like the three stooges. It feels so <laughs> childish, childish and just petulant that I don't even want to re- respond anymore. I don't think he's I don't think he, I think he's kidding with you, man. I don't yeah, think he is and I don't I I don't care, fuck it. <laughs> I've got too many other things in my life to be depressed about, so. Oh god, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. <laughs> The beer yeah, was yeah. good, at least. The mug may suck, but it was frosty, and the beer was good. Yes, it was. Right. Uh, Dan, Dan told me he hasn't had a fight since 1999. That's the, the last time. time. When was the last time you had a fight, Tooch? Damn, uh, 1984, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I fought with my dick last night. I was trying to get it. I'm not out. Of <laughs> the last guy that I fought, and I regretted it because it was over a girl, which he was at fault. He was fucking around with my girlfriend behind my back. And I beat him up in front of the whole school. But, I mean, I tried to talk to him. And he got condescending, and I fucked him up. And yeah. I felt bad for it, though, because I shouldn't have handled it that way. But the reason I mentioned this is he and I became friends again, and he committed suicide in Japan. He jumped off a building. Because he, he met in college, he met a Japanese national, uh, and, and he fell in love. He moved to Tokyo with her, and they had a kid and everything. And, yeah, the dude jumped off a building. Man, that's how he died. It's just, it's just terrible. Jeez, that's a great way to end the, your fucking segment of the show. Man. Well, I'm sorry. I just think that's the last guy I punched was Ryan, man. And like I felt so badly when he, you know, it's just, it sucks, man. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, let me end in a better note. Um, yeah, please. Okay. Um, Any predictions for the Bears Falcons game? If I was going to bet money, if we're talking because like you like to gamble and stuff, if I had to bet my money based on the way the Bears season's going, and the fact that we always lose these revenge games, I would bet on on the Falcons, regardless of points mm-hmm. or who's favored or anything. Just straight up, just I would Falcons bet to win. If I had to bet money, I would say the Falcons are going to win. But I know that the other Dan and all of them are going to the Falcons game, so I definitely, I definitely hope that the Bears win for more than one reason in that regard. And I and I. I if I'm not betting, I'm saying the Bears are going to win. <laughs> but if I had to bet my money, I'd say the Falcons are going to win because we always lose these revenge games to uh, to former Bears. Mm-hmm. Now you got two executives. You got Cordero Patterson. Who else is there? There's a couple other former Bears there. Yeah. Um, I know Eddie Goldman is not yeah, there. He retired, but there's yeah, a couple uh, others. The Williams running back we had last year. What was his? Oh, uh, yeah. Dan, the former Chief. Yeah. I yeah. His first name, but Damian. Damon. Dam- Damian Williams. Yeah. He's there. Yeah. So there seems like there's others, but yeah, either way, Mason's, if I had to bet money, Mason's I'd say got some guys there. It seems like I, things are going the other way. The, but if I'm going to end on optimism, all right, I'm going to end on optimism. This hmm. is it. The Falcon, the Bears find a way to beat Atlanta. Then they beat the Jets because Zach Wilson's not any good. Mm-hmm. And then you got Green Bay coming in. Now, if you build some momentum, you get Green Bay coming in. You finally beat Rodgers. Then what's your record? You're six and seven. You're back in it. That's right. You're back in it. There's no other way to describe it. You're back in it. Let's get back in it. But there's too many teams in between us and that, 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 you know, we, we, we've already lost against the Vikings, Washington. I know. Um, these other, well, the Vikings are going to win the North now without question. Yeah. That's true. So but the, these wild card teams, like the Cowboys, we lost against. Sure, uh, the Lions now, you know, could be a problem if they get back into it. Green Bay, if they get back into it, we've lost against these teams, and probably I don't know. No, you're right. You're right. I'm just trying to give some sort of optimism to end, since it was too dour on the Ryan anecdote. Probably which our was best true, chance for a win is next week. You know. But do you all think? Do you subscribe time. to the theory if we could? have a convincing victory over Green Bay at Soldier Field, that somehow makes up for a lot of the other things this year that didn't go our way? Yes. I, yes. I do, too. Sure. <laughs> I do, too. So, like, let's get that one, man, for, above all. Yeah. Every other year of my entire life, I was in that camp where, no, I would rather make the playoffs than beat the Packers two times. 
you know, because that was the question. Would you be all right if the Bears missed the playoffs along, as long as they beat the Packers twice? I was like, fuck no. I don't care if we lose to them and we make the playoffs. The playoffs is the, is the goal. Get into the playoffs, you never know what happens. But this year, because I know we were, we are rebuilding and that half the roster is going to be different next season and so forth. I, and because my hatred, and I, I'm not using the word loosely now, um, my hatred for Aaron Rodgers can't get any more intense. I want I want to beat the fuck out of that guy before he leaves. Me to too. Me too. Out. Absolutely. So, um, one last thing for you, Dan. Sure. Give me a score prediction. Atlanta Falcons and Chicago Bears. I can't I can't sit here and tell you the Bears are gonna lose. I can't. I just can't. You better not. So I'm gonna give you a Bears win then. Okay. Um 2617. Mm, I like it. I like it. Shows that the offense is still running and that the defense now is starting to turn things around. I like that. Maybe by turn things around, get some turnovers. <laughs> some sudden change, some luck. Some at some point it has to even out. Yes. Where things go your way. Like you, you can't get hosed on all the calls every week and all the turnovers can't go your way. All the penalties can't be on you. At some point that evens out. And maybe this is one of those games. But real, real, real quick, Dan, when you asked me about the Santos thing and you know, oh yeah, yeah. I, I I almost feel like it's a possibility, a possibility that the Bears are trying to lose games because part of Ryan Poulsen's master plan is to get one of those outstanding can't-miss prospects, one of those superstars in the game. Look what Mark Potash put up. At 3-7, and seven, the Bears currently have the number six pick in the draft. At 5-5, five and five, they would have the number 17 pick in the draft. In 2021, the sixth pick was that outstanding receiver, Jalen Waddell, the 17th pick was Alex Leatherwood, who is now officially a journeyman. In well, we don't know that. Leatherwood hasn't played with the Bears yet. He may come in there and, and, and suddenly be resurrected. Like, and, I, and I hope so. But the tape on him that he left with uh, John is, is, is not a yes because he's seen Leatherwood look terrible. That's why they let him go. Now, hopefully his career will be resurrected. We have a much better offensive line coach than almost any other team in the NFL. So hopefully that will change. But, you know, hey, if, if you gave me a choice between Jalen Waddle and, and Alex Leatherwood, it's pretty fucking obvious. I want the 4-4 wide receiver who uh, is playing outstanding football with the Dolphins. I'd love to have him, Mooney, and, and Claypool on the team. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway <laughs> – Four foot four. I just think, I just think McCaskey or Ryan Poles, you know, took Cairo Santos out Saturday night and got him fucked up. And so, okay, <laughs> go out there and miss all Santos the Magnificent. Yes. <laughs> That's what uh, Uncle Mike calls him. I was advocating for him to make the Pro Bowl, to make the Pro Bowl, and then he loses the game. <laughs> like, as soon as. <laughs> That's right. I, we need to bring back John Fox calling him Carlos until he rectifies <laughs> this and has a game winner. <laughs> uh, if the Bears are tanking, they're doing a good job of disguising it. I agree with you, Cliff. You know, but I also think that the NFL is in cahoots, which is why the officials are making all these calls. The NFL wants the Bears to regain their 85 uh, 
uh, uh, celebrity-ness. You know, they want a team that is going to transcend. They want the Michael Jordan Bulls. They want the William Perry, Jim McMahon, Mike Ditka, Buddy Ryan Bears. They want, you know, a celebrity team. Chicago is, is like so fucking perfect for it. Even when they're losing, they get the best ratings on primetime games. So maybe the NFL is like saying, all right, it's your turn, guys. We're going to fucking do whatever we can to get you high draft picks. Then it's up to you. Don't fuck it up. I, I, I don't know if any of that. <laughs> I can't say that they're conspiring to make us lose now to be better later. I hope. <laughs> I hope that it's – I just – God damn, man. Just can we please get back to prominence before I die selfishly? Yes. Before a retro shoots me in the head or whatever. You got more time than Aldo and me. (laughs) More time left than Aldo and I. That's right. You you never know. I mean, uh, all jokes aside, you just never know about that. But yeah, uh, well, we never know about that. But I do ask you for one favor, Dan. Sure. If I am gone and if both John and I are gone, and and then finally when the Bears win the Super Bowl, I'm sure you'll still be alive. Please have a drink uh, on uh, and, and think of us, okay? Yeah, <laughs> we'll come to your grave and put flowers on it and something to do with the Bears logo. Okay, just don't piss on my grave. Bro. No, God, no, no. I wouldn't disrespect anyone's grave. That's 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 abhorrent. <laughs> Even Aaron Rodgers' grave? No, I wouldn't fuck with anyone's grave. That's just does, that, that feels like it's man. bad juju for yourself too. Do you have to go to work still? I do. I gotta go. But I was uh, just trying to. To not leave on a negative note. So I apologize for telling you all that story, which was true, though, about Ryan. So. <laughs> all good, brother. Go save some lives, and uh, we'll yeah. see you right here next week. After You all be well. Thank you. All right, Danny. All right. That is Dan Aguirre. He is a historian. He's got Mary, Lunar, Mary Lou Henner-type memory. He is uh, quite extraordinary in many different ways. By the way, uh, in case you missed the photo of Mary Lou Henner, let me put it back up there. <laughs> already making two choke on yeah, that was great <laughs> the, the things i would do I, 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 <laughs> unspeakable I, I, my wife uh, left town today so uh i've got a date later tonight <laughs> one of me, one of me. Uh, how old is marilou henner now i wonder she's got to be like close somebody to in the chat room said 70 so yeah, um retro that he she still looks good so but uh, you know that's retro <laughs> yeah Hey, uh, are you ready to um, play a little game of Panic or No Panic? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's my favorite. Here it comes. Panic or don't fucking panic. (laughs) The Iron Sheik. (laughs) All right. uh, Should you panic about the fact that this Bears defense has gone from one of the best, at least in second half, defense to now one of the worst. Does this bold poorly for Ryan Poles' rebuilding efforts? Are you panicking or not panicking? Man, uh, that's a very tough question. Yes, it is. Because uh, it, it could be by design. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would say um, the only panic I would have for this would be for Justin Fields, you know, for the poor kid <laughs> taking a beating to you know, so uh, uh, with I, I, I'm not panicking yet about the defense yet. But I mean, it, it it's not going to be pretty the rest of the year, but right. maybe maybe uh, these guys put it together uh, 
you know, and 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 right the ship a little bit enough to maybe get us a win or two here. Do you think that Nicholas Morrow and Jack Sanborn could be the two linebackers in that nickel defense, and that the um, the demand for another high quality linebacker can be pushed down a little bit in that priority list, that very long priority list of acquisitions Ryan Poles has to make another wide receiver, another offensive lineman, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think those two guys can play in my opinion. I do. I think we need to get a little bit deeper at linebacker. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, if I were just, you know, if I were, if I were asked, where they would probably go with their first two picks in the draft. I think you got to look at both lines, you mm -hmm. know, build through the trenches with, you know, blue chip defensive linemen or blue chip offensive linemen if they were to have a high draft pick. Yeah. Okay. Panic or don't fucking panic. Do you think that Khalil Herbert missing at least the next four games is going to have an effect on this Bears offense where they're not going to average the 30 points per game that they've been averaging the last three games and that it could drop to half of that because of Herbert's absence and his ability to create explosive plays. Uh, sure. He'll be, he'll be missed as, you know, uh, a spell to uh, a spelling David Montgomery, but uh, yeah, it could cost them three to six points a game. Maybe I would say, yeah, probably. Uh, but David Montgomery will get more action, you know, and maybe uh, they'll get Montgomery involved in the passing game a little bit more. You know, screen passes and stuff like that. I don't, I don't remember him having any catches. I think he had one, maybe one catch last game. Oh my zero. gosh, it's been ridiculous how he's been ignored in the passing game. It, they got to get him going again. Yeah. Now, are you concerned because Tristan Ebner, his carries uh, are going, his snaps are going to increase because of the absence of Herbert? Are you concerned about his pass blocking and it potentially being an issue for Justin Fields? Yeah, and I, I think uh, Montgomery will get more time than he did when Herbert was uh, available. You know, I don't think Ebner will see like the volume that Herbert was getting. Mm -hmm. He's just too young. Yep. I agree with Cliff here that this is actually a great opportunity for Monty yep. to uh, really earn that contract. You know, everybody yep. at Alice Hall loves David Montgomery, but all of those people that love him, and I'm talking about George McCaskey, Ryan yep. Poles, the coaching staff, but pr primarily those first two names that I mentioned, they know that from a fiduciary standpoint, it's not a good idea to sign David Montgomery to a, a six, seven, eight million dollar contract. Spotrack, uh, the website that covers salaries for NFL players, has David Montgomery's market value at nine point nine million dollars a year. Fuck no, I'm sorry, David. You do a lot for this team in many different ways, but in today's football economics, no way would I advocate the Bears to pay you or any running back nine point nine million dollars. Yeah, this is yeah. I mean, this is something that's kind of uh, been a little. Yeah, I mean, they might have to say part ways with David Montgomery. I, I don't know. They they're going to have enough uh, cap room to re-sign him. It's just, uh, will the Bears get that hometown discount to make it you know attractive enough for uh, Monty to stick around? But I'll tell you, uh, uh, there's there's plenty of other teams out there who probably would 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 like to have David Montgomery on their team. Mm-hmm. Indeed.
All right, next one. Panic or don't fucking panic. <laughs> I love that guy. I do love him. Too. <laughs> um, are you concerned um, with the fact that Chase Claypool's opportunities, his snaps, went down after one week? Is there something perhaps happening behind the scenes that they feel like maybe he's not as smart as they thought he was? He's not catching on to the playbook as quickly as possible or, you know, or maybe some of these stories that we heard about his behavior, you know, started to surface and the bear says, ah, you know, let's not give him as much attention as he's looking for any panic or no panic with what happened with Chase Claypool in his second week with the Bears, which were fewer opportunities? Well, I think it's too early to panic. And I think, you know, there, uh, the, the deeper question uh, that needs to be answered would be <clears throat> the Bears didn't do their homework on him and they sent a second-round pick to Pittsburgh for him. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, would, I would hope that they would know all this stuff, you know, and did their homework, research, all this stuff. But if, if it's true, then I would fucking panic at the, at the – uh, the Bears front office not doing the homework needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with you there that, I, you know, I, I got to believe that Ryan Poles was fully aware of all these stories coming out of Pittsburgh and that they're, they have sources and they have, you know, they know that right now that Steelers franchise is in, a, uh, in, in disarray. And so like all diva wide receivers, he probably said some things he shouldn't have said or did some things he shouldn't have done. And, but that on overall, I bet you everyone at Notre Dame vouches for Chase Claypool and that things will be fine with him and that the reason he had fewer opportunities in his second game with the Bears had more to do with, um, again, I, 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 I almost think they're trying to lose. <laughs> I think they're really yeah. I didn't think about it until tonight, you know, but uh... – it's possible. And what, there's even another deeper layer. It's like, what if the Bears and the NFL are in on it together? Yeah. Know, like, hey, why don't you just have the officials, you know, throw the game on us so we lose, we get that first ring. You know, it's like, it's worse than the Miami Dolphins conspiracy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like deeper. <laughs> but, As Cliff's you know, point out, he's in the game for 19 plays. He gets two targets. I mean, come on. That's, that's weird. And the referees make these phantom calls against the Bears and don't make any uh, calls against the Lions. I mean, I I posted on the Twitter account for Barroom Network a couple of obvious holds on Bears players by their offensive line. None of that. Uh, To me, I'm not saying that they are purposely tanking, but what I am saying the Bears are could be saying, well, let's take a look at some of these other guys we don't necessarily have to give our best players uh, all the opportunities they deserve. We need to take a look at um, Brian Pringle. He's under contract for two years. He hasn't played in a while. Let's throw him out there. Well, would you really rather have Pringle uh, or Chase Claypool out there? Of course you want Claypool. It's bigger, faster, uh, uh, can do more things. But you threw Pringle out there. You gave him – uh, clay post snaps so that's not purposely tanking but you're really not throwing the best guys out there on the football field j2k saying so far tonight i've seen claypool breaking open when fields is already under pressure can't blame claypool or fields yeah offensive line is still uh still an issue 
Want to do another one? Panic or no yeah. panic? Mm-hmm. You like the way I'm coming up with these at the top of my I head? Love it. <laughs> I thought you had these written down. No. <laughs> as soon as I hit play and I'm slowly hitting play because I'm trying to get the <laughs> Alright, here we go. Panic or don't fucking panic. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, Dan uh three weeks ago was texting me during the game and it just fucking annoys the hell out of me because I like to try to have a positive mindset during the game but fuck Alan Williams god damn it he's gotta go he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing I can show you the text I mean verbatim and so my my and so I'm like come on guy take it easy this but I am starting to get a little concerned you know I know he doesn't have the talent I know that there's been dis- major disruptions. You know, hey, you're going to be the defensive coordinator of the team with Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith. Uh, hey, you're going to be <laughs> the defensive coordinator for a team without those guys because we're getting rid of them. But are, are, are you panicking a little that maybe this isn't – that Allen Williams really isn't a qualified defensive coordinator? This is his first job in that capacity. Uh, I, I did a little bit this last week because um, when we were up two touchdowns, we got a little too conservative for me. Uh, mm-hmm. We played a lot of zone, and our guys aren't really that good at zone defense. So mm-hmm. it's like, and, and, you know, I mean, the Lions were exposing the zone defense. They sliced it up. Even some dude named Tom Kennedy or something sliced us up for a long pass catch. Yeah. Like a little tight end. Dude, dude, dude turned on the Jets against us. But that was <laughs> That, that one hurt, but uh, I mean, they should they should have uh, uh, played a lot more man, you know, and just fucking go. All right, go at him, man up, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and let's let's go. Your man against my man instead of uh, getting, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't. A lot of these defensive players, I'm not sure they they fully knew their assignment in zone, and that's <laughs> coaching. So yeah, I'm a little panicky about Alan Williams. I mean, I'm not not yet because you know uh, the guy is a first time defensive coordinator right so and you and i have talked about how you know the bears always have these guys in their first year they're always we always hire guys this would be the first time doing doing this job and stuff you know and uh this this year it it, uh finally has sunk in through through uh uh, 50 percent fault of the refs 50 Mm percent fault of the bears Mm -hmm. that uh and uh uh, something that dan weeder won't admit but it's, it's a rebuild so, yeah, it is. You know, like it or uh, not, that's yeah. where we're at. Everybody's learning on the job, even Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. All right, I got one more for you. Mm-hmm. I had one. I had it. Now I forgot it. All right, let me <laughs> slowly reach for this button. <laughs> panic or don't fucking panic. All right, so I'm trying to maintain some, uh, you know, coolness about this. But I am a little bit concerned. You know, this this whole thing hinges now on Ryan Paul's acquiring the right guys. And he, you know, he did an okay job during the offseason, given the limitations that he had. But he also clearly made some mistakes. You can blame him or blame him not for the Larry Joby thing, but clearly it didn't work. So, you know, maybe it's just bad luck. But... The Valus thing, Jones thing, I mean, this guy was in every draft publication sheet website that I read. This guy was at the earliest a fourth-round draft pick and in most cases a fifth- or sixth-round draft pick. 
They took a shot at him because they love his speed. And uh, Luke Getze wants a guy like that because he can create all sorts of great things. But it hasn't worked out. This guy is 25 years old, and he's he's acting like he's a 21-year-old rookie as opposed to a 25-year-old rookie. So the, the whole Valus Jones thing and the other blemishes on Ryan Pohl's early career, does that make you feel a little bit panicky about his player acquisition capabilities moving forward? I mean, it's a little early to judge Ryan Poles, I guess, you know, as they say, give uh, draft picks a year or two to pan out. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you could say, you know, he, he hit on Jaquan Brisker. Looks like a good player. Outstanding. Kyler Gordon uh, is, is okay, has some potential. Mm-hmm. Vilas Jones might be a miss, you know, because that's where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who came after him. Braxton Jones. Braxton Jones, who looks like a pretty good player to me. I, I, I happen to like the kid. I just, you know, he's struggling because he's a rookie. You know, he'll get it. He needs a, a year, a year in a in, uh, in an NFL weight program to because he's to me, I could say he's a little light in the pants. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. get overpowered by the bull rush, but he's got good feet. And he like just Jordan Severa says he mirrors well. You know, Greg Gabriel seems to like him. I saw Greg Gabriel today saying he thinks Braxton Jones appear be a pretty good player so um he's got all the tools to grow into a better than average offensive lineman yeah i mean he's got all the tools we just have to grow we have to go through the growing pains but please go ahead yeah velas looks like he might be a miss uh, after that i mean i i struggle to remember any of the guys after that they haven't done anything the, the uh, sanborn was an undrafted free agent i think was he undrafted that is correct yeah that looks like a hit you know, because mm-hmm. the dude could play. Yeah. You know, and he, he did bring Nicholas Morrow, who was taking over the that uh, uh, weak side linebacker spot that Roquan was in and is playing it a little bit better than Roquan did, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as covering, knowing knowing his role inside the defense and making uh, – he made some pretty outstanding plays, Morrow, uh, this weekend, including saving a touchdown and knocking a guy out of bounds, man, running yeah. sideline to sideline. So, yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh Gabriel was saying that it Morrow should be the weak side linebacker. And and, and let's say Paul Post kind of to me did the unforgivable thing, and that's draft a fucking punter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Using a draft pick on a punter to me. And this can I can I just say it that uh every punt that Trent Gill makes, I think is gonna get blocked. <laughs> I know, right? I'm so worried about it. He takes that extra step. It's like is what? it just me? It's like I'm like. Every time I think it's going to get blocked. Greg Gabriel predicted it that because he takes that extra half step, you know, and that that's a dangerous thing. Yeah. But punters are people too, as Cliff Victoria says. So let's give him a break. All right. Give him a break. Yeah. <laughs> Dominique Robinson. That's another one he did draft. That's <laughs> looks like there's some potential there too. T3P. Yes, indeed. Podcast has got it there. Right All there. Right. I've got one more for you. It just All right. into my mind. Panic or don't fucking <laughs> do you have a uh a, any panic about the gambling tips that you have to give out this week because i can't <laughs> i can't imagine what you go through the pressure to yeah. deliver winners for your clients it's That's gotta huge. be oh my gosh yeah i could never do it was it tailgate I, I told you the best play on the board was the dolphins they won by 10 Mm-hmm. So that one, nice. 
was uh, one of my big play winners for clients. Um, well, you've been delivering, that's for sure. <clears throat> and then uh, it was pretty good. I think I was five and one in college football on Saturday. Nice. Uh, college basketball has been tough. It's always tough beginning of the year today. It looks like I'll be. I think I was two and zero in college football tonight, and then it looks like I might be four and three in college basketball tonight, as far as it goes. If Duke wins, I'll probably be five and two, or four, four and three, or three and four, something like that. But you've got I a hit nice out a few of over five hundred. You know, yeah. I mean, I it, it, it's been tough these past few days. I'm still like I was five and three and six and four. Mm-hmm. You know, past few days, Sunday and. Uh, Six and four on Sunday, five and three yesterday. So, I mean, we're winning at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even when it's tough, uh, we're still winning. Um, if, yeah. if those are your worst days where you're a game over 500, then fuck, you're, you're doing outstanding. You know, and there's, there's days where I see you're five and one, six and two. You know, you're doing fucking great. So, yeah. I, Anthony and I collaborate every day. So it's kind of like the two of us, you know. That's nice. He's got his favorite plays. I've got my favorite plays. And then we kind of, you know, if we need to uh, uh, grab or borrow, collaborate on a play, you know. Mm-hmm. The thing that um, would petrify me, and I, and part of it is because um, North has told me it petrifies him, is those yeah. losing streaks that are like 0 for 6 or, you know, 1 for yeah. 15. You know, I, I, had a bad, I had a bad one earlier. It was like five days of losing. Yeah. You know. Jeez, yeah. I put two hundred dollars in my DraftKings, got it up to over a thousand, and then got it all the way down to five dollars. That yeah. downhill climb of going down to five dollars was like, holy shit, man! I can't fucking buy. Uh, yeah. and, I, and then I would get a tip from you every now and then and win a few bucks and stuff. But it, it left to my own making decisions. I was doing well, that's hard. I mean, hell, I. I uh... I'll tell you, it's uh, it's hard too because you always want to like at the end of the night. So I'm losing. I just one more bet, you know, and then mm-hmm. I'll like nope, just put the phone down. Good for you. You know, like uh, yesterday, I was like, okay, there's a this Commanders and Eagles game on. I'm gonna just pick three guys at random who I think will score a touchdown. You know, and I I picked three guys and all three of them scored a touchdown. Five bucks. I won 145 bucks. That I went to bed. Awesome. I woke up the next day. I'm like, those three guys fucking scored. Yes, that is so awesome. So yeah, was uh was lucky lucky yesterday. But <laughs> let me just remind people if they got a yeah. gambling problem, they should call one yeah. 800 Gambler. I'm on and- the phone right now. <laughs> 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 I love the idea of calling 100 Gambler and say, "Oh, I thought this is where I could get a winning tip." <laughs> you guys give out free picks. That's right. Yeah. Can you give me a winner, uh, please? Give me a winner. Yeah. Uh, all right. What else yeah. you got going on? And then we'll pull the plug on this episode of DNA. I got one more uh, Bears state of affairs, and then the Ooh. next day I'll be traveling to Asia with my family too. Yeah. Okay. My so wife's hometown in the Philippines. I want to talk about Asia with you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Talk yeah. about uh, what else you got? Uh, Bears state of affairs. I got got uh, Bears state. I'll do one last Bears state of affairs right. next week, and then maybe try and phone in some. Oh, I see. You're gonna do it next week. Okay. I thought. Yeah, because I leave Wednesday. So. That- Awesome. I'll have uh, a Bears Falcons state of affairs. Okay. Well, you know, uh, I know the day before heading out of town is always a busy day. So 
Uh, if you just want to pop in and do bare state of affairs and then pop out and finish your packing or whatever, uh, totally cool. Um, and well, I'm off on Wednesday, so I'll probably get up, pack, and Thanks. then head for head for O'Hare nice. from Iowa. So long drive, huh? Yeah. Uh, so tell us about the trip. Where are you going? Um, and what are you hoping to do? Got a couple stops in Taipei. So uh, Thai, at the airport in Taipei, they, if, for people who have layovers, they offer a free bus tour, mm-hmm. four hours long. I'm there nine hours in the airport. So I'll probably hop on that free bus tour and see a little bit of Taiwan's capital mm-hmm. and then head to Manila. And I'll be staying with my wife's brother's family for a while mm-hmm. and uh, then fly to the south of the Philippines and my wife's hometown and hang out there at her family home. Mm-hmm. And maybe head to one of the surrounding islands like Shargao or nice. Dinaga, somewhere where the, the, the beaches are nice. Oh, there's like uh, south of where my wife is from, there's the Enchanted River. It's like got some underground caves and rivers and stuff. Yeah, I just yeah. heard about this. This isn't, isn't this, yeah. uh, wasn't, wasn't it, was it recently discovered this Enchanted River? Um, I think it's been, it's, been there for a while i'm not sure how long but they they recently uh uh they've took more of they made it built around it now you know mm-hmm. recently you know they built the kind of like pavilion around it a little viewing area and stuff and used to be they have like feeding time for the fish that come out of the like a hole you know that goes to the ocean so uh, come out and feed awesome. and then uh, you could float down the river if you wanted to Wow. But, and your kids are going to experience this too. So, I mean, yeah. this trip even more special. It, yeah. uh, that's going to be a fucking fa- fascinating for them. Ten <laughs> million times better than taking them to Disney World. And Disney yeah. World is, is fun, you know. So, to get uh, there before China invades. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it, you know, I'll, I'd like to try some of that uh, food. The Taiwan's supposed to have good street food, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of that. Man, Last time we flew through Japan, so that mm-hmm. was pretty fun. Got some nice Japanese food. Mm-hmm. Under underrated cuisine, Japanese food. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Great Are stuff. you a sushi fan? Love sushi. Uh, love like the bento box, you know, with like yes, chicken and pork katsu and mm-hmm. uh, eel box with the fried eel. Mm-hmm. Like eels underrated. It's like greasy. It's nice, you know, it's <laughs> tender and greasy, and the eel sauce on it and stuff. Barbecue. Oh, love it. <laughs> I can love it. Yeah, the, you know, we flew on. Uh, What's the name of the airlines? It was like Nippon Airways or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, the food was fucking awesome. <laughs> it was like put the American airline food to shame, man. It was like you got such a you got a, a little bento box with all these like different things, little like pickles and mm-hmm. the meat. And the you know the pork katsu, and the rice, and you know yeah. nice Japanese ice cream and stuff it was great. Yeah, unless you fly first class on American Airlines, you're not going to get good food, and yeah. uh, it, it's a shame that the European the international airlines have yeah. completely outclassed American Airlines with how yeah. they treat uh, you know coach and and, and regular uh, uh, seizures. It's uh, it's it's sad because as a kid. Yeah. Man, I I could get the cheapest flight uh, seat in the, on a plane and would still be served a nice hot meal. Yeah, nowadays. Yeah, Virgin Airways is like that. You had a I had a nice meal flight to England a few times. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, sees food and eats it. Yeah, that's me. Seafood guy, right? I'm wearing this uh, shirt. It has a good story behind it. The University of Okaboji. And uh, went to uh, Iowa has great lakes. Like, you know, they're small, but they're the Iowa Great Lakes region. They're up in the corner, northwest corner by a Minnesota border. And uh, there's three lakes. Mm-hmm. East Okaboji, West Okaboji, and Spirit Lake, and uh, beautiful crystal clear water. And uh, it was kind of like, you know, the Iowans go there in the summer and you know party, and they have a lot of cool. There's a history; they've been going there for a long time. You know, like music park mm-hmm. and everything, boats. There's like a floating uh, uh, bar. You could take a floating bar along along around the around the lake and hit all the bars that are on the lake. Oh wow! How <laughs> really cool awesome. is that? You know, there's great swim spots and beaches too and stuff. And uh, they uh, they made they, they it felt so much like a college town that they like invented this university called Okaboji. Oka there is no there's no school. Okay, <laughs> you know. And then they, they they made up you know let's make all these shirts and they, they made the mascots called the Flying Phantoms mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's you know there's no university it's just phantom imagination. Right. <laughs> When I was there, I got got a couple uh, Okaboji University fan, flying phantom shirts. I love it. I so, love it, man. If if you're looking for a cool place to vacation, it's not that far from Chicago. It's probably I don't know five, six, seven hours away. It's like a drive to Minneapolis. But mm. Stephen, nice is uh, Ogan Joby. Isn't that what Aaron Rodgers made? <laughs> <laughs> he finally won one, Stephen. <laughs> the guy. Yeah, he, uh, he still freaks me out. I think this guy's totally lost it. I yeah. think he's on a different planet. I don't know if it's the ayahuasca or, or, or where you know this is just an accumulation of bad habits by Aaron Rodgers. But this guy is weird, and I, don't be surprised. Mark it down: uh, eleven oh five p.m. Central Tuesday, November fifteenth. All because <laughs> don't be surprised if something weird happens with Aaron Rodgers. In the near future, and I'm saying, you know, weird scandal kind of kind of thing. This this there's something going on with this guy. You know, I, did did you catch a little of the Cowboys Packers game? Yes, I did. Yeah, it looked like he was actually having fun playing the game again this past one. You know, except that he would fucking criticize his coach when he would go to the sideline, and after the game, still say I was unhappy with every play call. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? He was out there looking like he was having fun with the yeah. game again. Because this whole season looked like he's hated playing the fucking yeah. game. Because if know? somebody drops the ball, it makes yeah. it, it ruins his passing percentage, and he actually gets mad about that. He probably right? cares about that a little too much. Yeah. You know? I think it, he. I think he's saying to myself, if I'm not going to win any more Super Bowls, I still want to hold passing records and have Hall great of Fame great records. I think that's where his head is at. Yeah, he that's like a narcissist. That fits in with what I've been saying. That's like fifty-two guys and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, fucking you know, that team. But I mean, and yeah. uh, guys who have played with him have have been saying things in the past and hinting at things in the past. There's just something yeah. weird going on with this guy. So, and then the Vikings and Bills game. Remember, mm-hmm. I said I think I said I don't know if I said on this show or another show, but I said if the Vikings defense. Uh, figures it out, gets their pass rush back, they could be really dangerous, and there they go into Buffalo and win the game. How about that? Uh, so, you know, it was kind of a sh- shitty way for uh, Buffalo to lose the game. He, you know, Josh Allen fumbled in the end zone. Uh, that They had the game won, you yes, know, by did. three, yep. and uh, uh, ended up fumbling in the end zone, and Minnesota recovers, and uh, 
that was it. They tied it up and went to. I like this Viking team, you know, from a, a objective perspective. I think they've got some great talent. They've, they've got the oh, best yeah. receiver in football, yep. Justin Jefferson. That fucking catch yes, he made. That's amazing. Yes. Yep. Love the kid. And Kirk Cousins is not a quarterback that you can rely on, but you can rely on him to get you to the playoffs. And so maybe he's, though, he's going to have a, a season where he has some more success in the postseason than he has in the past. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, the coach, I, he's a guy that I really like a lot. Um, I've liked him for a long time. You know, who knows? The Vikings could surprise some people and get back to the Super Bowl and lose their sixth Super Bowl of all time. Yeah, before <laughs> before this week, I was like, oh, the Vikings, are they any good? They haven't beaten anybody. I mean, they went in and, and played Buffalo, you know, toe-to-toe. So uh, I don't think Green Bay is going to be winning the division this year. Um, I think it's the – Vikings division to lose. Absolutely. No doubt about it. I even got to the point where I think they could win a playoff game or two, make it to the NFC championship. I'm with you. And I think the days of the Packers winning division titles in the North, those are over because the Vikings will win this year and maybe next year. But after that, it's all bears, man. Justin Fields, man. I'm telling you, like I said, we're watching the kid make history setting records, man. It's just, Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a shame that uh, it's in a in a rebuilding se- season, but uh, it, a lot of it, like you like you've been saying, is 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 probably by design. I mean, uh, Ryan Poles came here; he didn't draft Justin Fields. You know, he he wanted to see whether or not the court, there was anything to Justin Fields worth mm-hmm. keeping, and what he did was create an environment that was sink or swim. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Great environment that was sink or swim for this kid. And the kid, you know, like it or not, he's swimming. You know, right. he, he's uh he's doing whatever he can, right. you know, and the most uh uh the one sort of event or, or or thing that I wanted to bring out the most was that the kid sat at his locker for an hour after the game, uh, you know, in you. full uniform, you know, uh because he hates losing that much. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, if we never want to get to the point where Justin Fields is the first one to leave the locker room, yep. You know, we want to keep, want to keep it, keep it where, uh, uh, keep it where the guy cares about the game and cares about winning, and you know, and and we've got to do Bears organization got to do whatever they can to put together a winner after this season, dude. Uh, again, that's fucking poetry. What you just said. Uh, I, I I applaud the fact that he was so upset at himself for uh, losing that game. It was his interception that led to uh, the go-ahead score for the Lions, and so uh, that, he got I mean, like him and Akuda were were dueling. Yes, you know Akuda got the got the interception, took it to the house, and then Justin Fields outran him for one, taking it to the house. Yeah, it was wasn't kind that of, amazing? Yeah, it was kind of amazing, man, to see yeah. the two former teammates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, the, the the kid cares so much about winning. Yeah, like Cliff says, it's hard not to love the kid. Really, is. you know, yeah. we're watching him grow up before our eyes, and mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I think that Poles gets it now. He's got something special, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, he had to get rid of some some big salary pieces, you know, but mm-hmm. like Khalil Mack and uh, Roquan Smith would be demanding a big uh, salary, and you know, it's kind of like. What can we get for Roquan? You know, he didn't want to accept the salary we offered, which he thought was a fair offer. It would have made him one of the top five paid linebackers. He asked to be traded. So, he, yeah, he asked to be traded. He got what he wanted. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, next year we've got a, a mountain of salary cap room. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully uh, they, they do their homework, you know, and right this time. And, and and what I want every Bears fan to appreciate is he's got all this money, Ryan Post does. He is probably not. I'm I'm going to bet that he is not going to spend it recklessly. He is going to make good investments, or at least what he believes. He's not going to do what other general managers have done in the past. Well, I got all this money. I'm going to spend it. I'll bring in Jared Allen, you know, washed up fucking players who are of no use for us anymore. No, he's got a plan about building this team up, trying to build it as much as possible with draft picks because that allows him to control the salary better, but also then supplement the missing areas with quality free agents. And if yeah. he wants this right, he'll still have money left over to sign veterans for 2023 and 2024. I mean, 2024 and 2025 before all of a sudden he's got to come up with $50 million a year for Justin Fields. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's that. That has to be taken into consideration. Yep. <laughs> Let's not tie up, you know, too much where we can't sign fields. You know, exactly. uh, you don't want him upset and saying, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll hold out, you know, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure why. I, I honestly, I haven't really looked at who the free agent, like offensive and defensive linemen are, you know, or free agent linebackers or corner cornerback is probably an area we got to look at. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's hard though. I mean, cornerbacks, uh, their lifespan, you know, uh, is is about the same as running backs. You know, after about five to seven years, they're just not good anymore. I mean, look at like guys like Darrell Revis and. Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson's still playing for the Vikings, but mm-hmm. he's not Patrick Peterson, you know, of the past. Not at you all. Know, there's a drop off, much like uh, running backs uh, at the cornerback position. They just lose their step. But um, I think those are some places he's got to look at. Offensive line, definitely. Mm-hmm. Defensive line, although Justin Jones has played pretty well. Yeah, yeah, he could be that three tech. You know, he's not going to be a great three tech, but yeah. he could be an acceptable three tech until you can acquire somebody, yeah. which may not be next season. It could be two years from now. Yeah, Cliff Victoria says there's some good free uh, free agents out there. You know, I'll have to look yeah. at it. Yeah, you know, I haven't really given it enough thought. Uh, there are as far some, as you know, uh, the the somebody mentioned earlier in the chat, uh, McGlinchkey, uh, the right, right tackle who went to Notre Dame. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, he's on the 49ers, right? Right. He's on the 49ers. He's a free agent. He would be an outstanding right tackle for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. And Orlando Brown, the left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, right. he's going to cost you $25 million a year. There's no doubt in my mind. Yep. So if you really, you know, the, the cool thing about Braxton Jones is that he's still malleable enough so that if you tell him, hey, we brought in a left tackle, but don't worry, we think you're going to be a starter at the right tackle position, or maybe don't move in, move him inside. Uh, Danny Shimon thinks he might even be better at, at the guard position. So, um, you know, they've, they've got some opportunities here with the money that they have and the investments that they've put in to guys like Braxton Jones to see if they can pan out. So they've got some uh, opportunities here to mold something relatively quick. I, I truly believe that if, if things click, for Ryan Poles, and he, he makes more good decisions than bad decisions, the Bears will definitely be in the playoff hunt next season. Yeah. 
Yeah, if they could put together, you know, uh, patch some of the holes through free agency and draft well uh, with Justin Fields, you know, I mean, that's a a guy that can change a game. You know, that teams have to game plan around and at any at any he could scare, score from any point of the game at any point on the field. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. that speed. You know, he's outrun and when he steps on the field, he's one of the fast. He's like Lamar Jackson, he's one of the fastest players on the field. Yep. And, you know, I mean, like there was a cup at, at the last the last play of the game. It looked like Dante Culpepper out there. You know, it's like shaking, shaking off like three sack attempts on him. You know, I was like, he's he's still alive. He's still running around back there. Throw the ball. Throw the ball down. You know, he didn't throw the ball, but right. But that that's a good analogy with Dante. Yeah, Dante used to like shake guys off like Ben Roethlisberger. You know, guys exactly. They were just so big. You know, <laughs> get off me. You know. JS, yeah. how are There's you? Jordan, yeah. Good old Jordan, yeah. Jordan, I, I've got to tell you, uh, I had one of my friends went to the uh, North Carolina Wake Forest game and said, uh, your guy, uh, your receiver you like over there, is, he ain't 5'10". <laughs> Josh Woods or whatever. I think that's the, the guy he likes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he, he met him after the game and said he's more like 5'8". Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Five, eight>, wow. <laughs> so... But that's like Kendall Vildor. Uh, when I in, I when I I got to, I think I've said the story before on the show, but I'll say it again real quickly. Josh Downs, that's the guy. What did I say his name was? Yeah, yeah. Josh Woods. Josh yeah. Woods was on theirs, right? <laughs> Josh Downs. Yeah. Uh, he, so when he ain't, I, I he ain't saw... five ten. He ain't five ten. One seventy five. Jordan. No way. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good player, though. Yeah. So I saw Kendall Vildor, you know, he was kind of on the outskirts. All the players are kind of in the middle of the room. And so I see this guy and I keep walking past him. And I'm like, is this guy a player? He looks kind of short and small. (laughs) That was Kendall Vildor? Yeah, it's right. It was Kendall Vildor. And and then I I looked at his name tag, Kendall Vildor from some small college. He was tiny. Yeah. And yeah, really tiny. (laughs) I I, I say, hey, um, can I interview you? So we, we talked for a little while and... Um, I was impressed with him immediately afterwards, Danny and I went to go to practice and the first couple of plays Kindle, he didn't have a good practice that, that day after the weigh-ins and the media availability where you could interview other players. The first practice was in the afternoon. We went over there. He got burned several times, but then after that, the rest of the week, he played really well. And, and Danny was saying, yeah, I think this guy's got a chance. And then we interviewed uh, uh, Jim Nagy, who is the executive director of the senior yeah, bowl, the senior bowl. Outstanding scout. And he was like Chicago bears fans. If you get this guy, he's going to be good. We had Nagy on the show after his rookie season, he goes, don't give up on this guy. He's going to be good. So I've been waiting. I've been waiting. At I'm starting to give up a little bit. on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he was injured last game, I think. Right. And someone else played in his spot. Yes, he got he hurt on the touchdown pass he allowed to the Dolphins early in the game. Uh, so he hurt his ankle there, and so he didn't right. play this past week. So that, was it Jalen Jones that took his place? Yeah, undrafted Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson. Yeah, right. Right. that ain't hard to figure out. Although which guys, no. you know, especially for us old guys, right? Right. Um, but Jalen uh, Jalen Jones is undrafted free agent. He's played pretty well. You know, it's, it's that could be a nice nice pick. I would. Try to get him as much playing time as possible. See what you got in him. Yeah, I didn't hear his name called a lot, so it must have been okay. But I mean, look, that they they uh we 
we are using that zone scheme, like J2K said, you know, mm -hmm. the, the Tampa two is more of a zone, you know, but uh, they, you would like, you want to see them mix up and, and that zone, you have to get pressure with the front four. Got to, you know, and we, we, Justin Jones got a little bit of pressure, you know, uh, Dominique Robinson got a little bit of pressure, but we had to bring the blitz with Sanborn, you know, mm -hmm. to get more pressure, you know, and, you know, uh, uh, Jer Jared Goff, uh, he he's able to pick apart stuff like that. You know, he's just, he's not a stupid quarterback, mm -hmm. you know, he may not be as talented or skilled as other ones, but he's got, you know, he's got a decent quarterback brain. So mm -hmm. you get the ball. He got the ball to where it had to go. Yep. Yeah. We got uh, uh, J2K in talking about defensive backs in the chat room. Mm -hmm. It's important in today's NFL to really stock up in as many quality defensive backs as possible. This yeah. is passing league now. You know, you still got some general managers out there who still think, you know, it's the old 1980s, 90s uh, style of football. You know, li linebackers, the value of linebackers has gone down where the value of defensive backs has gone up. The game changes. Um, you know, that's just the way it is. It's changed yeah. since the beginning of time. There, there wasn't even a forward pass at one point in this game. And yeah. so I've had uh, debates with draft Dr. Phil when he was here at the bar room about the game changing. And he's like, the game doesn't change. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Of course it changes. You know? Yeah, there was, like you I said, there was no change. forward pass at the time. Yes. You know? <laughs> Everything but, fucking changes. So Yeah, I mean, I, you got to have three decent corners mm -hmm. nowadays. You need a good slot corner. Mm -hmm. You know, to cover the slot because the slot gets a lot of attention and a lot of offense. Vital. It's vital. Yeah. The, yeah. Jordan uh, even says the secondary is more important than the edge pass rusher. And you know what? I think I agree with Jordan there. I yeah, think so. might might be. You know, I mean, we got. I mean, the pre pressure helps, man. <laughs> Absolutely, pressure but, helps the secondary. But sure. it's impossible to get pressure when the quarterback is getting rid of the ball in a second yeah. and a half. You know, yep. so you need. Yeah. Uh, uh, defensive backs who can cover yep. it. So, yeah. When they're getting rid of it in two and a half seconds or less, then the secondary becomes all the more important. It's it's uh, impossible from a physics standpoint for the defensive end to get there in time, even if he was unblocked. You know what I'm saying? So uh, um, it, it's interesting. So we'll talk more about this as the weeks yeah. go on. Uh, yeah, Jordan, have, uh, Jordan stop by sometime. Yeah, I would love to have Jordan on and uh, uh, there's a couple of topics I'd love to debate him on. And it also, looks like he's got a new avatar there. So he does. It's, uh, it's like it's half of his head is a football. What the fuck? <laughs> it's a football brain. Get that looked after. <laughs> it does Get look a little weird, after. right? It reminds me of... Uh, <laughs> I like movie? it. I'm just kidding. You, Jordan. <laughs> you remember that schlocky movie with... Was it uh, OJ? No, it was uh, Roosevelt Greer uh, with a man <laughs> with two, uh, the two-headed man. You remember that movie? <laughs> Let's see if I can find this. <laughs> Roosevelt Greer, the former uh, path pusher for the uh, L.A. Rams, um, was in a Rosie, Rosie Greer, right? Yeah, man with two heads, something like that. Rosie. <laughs> yeah, Rosie Greer became an actor after football, right? Yeah. All right, here, I found it. Oh, it's with fucking Ray yeah. Milang, too, nice. of all people. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me get a good picture. Hold on. <laughs> this is funny as hell. <laughs> oh fuck. Come on now. Rosie Greer. That's a name for the class. 
Yeah, do you remember the? Do you, can you name the uh, fearsome force in the four defensive linemen from the Rams? Was uh, uh, Merlin Olson? Merlin Olson was one. Yeah. Rosie Greer's two. Uh, uh, yeah, Rosie Greer. Um, Deacon Jones. Yeah, Deacon Jones. Yeah, I want to say t- Too Tall Jones was Deacon Jones, right? Yeah. Too tall was with the Cowboys, and then yeah, the two tall the Cowboys. I was Deacon Fred, Jones, Fred Merlin Dreyer. Olson, Rosie Greer, and what was the last Fred? Fred Dreyer. Fred Dreyer, yeah. Who played Hunter a little on bit, the NBC series? A little bit before my time, I remember. Two headed man. So that's a little bit. It reminded me, uh, Jordan. Your avatar reminded me of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me a little of like uh... they, they both look miserable right here, right? It's like yeah, how yeah. the fuck did my agent get me? Off me. <laughs> <laughs> that old white man disease. <laughs> it's like the director said, "Cut, we gotta do it again," and they're like, yeah. "Oh fuck no!" That's <laughs> fucking awful. That's crazy. I can't believe anybody <laughs> would want to see that movie. <laughs> Jordan is out. Um, all right, uh, we got to get out of here. It has been yeah. a long day. Uh, Johnny Santucci has to wake up early. I, I got to wake up uh, in time to feed the dog and then go back to bed. <laughs> right, the life of the get body. some get some rest before uh, before I get any sicker of the bad yeah, cold. Care yourself, man. Your uh, <laughs> your clients need you. <laughs> it's like uh, Michael Jordan's uh, flu game tonight. I try to bring my. <laughs> Bring my A game tonight. You came through. Dropped 63 on the Celtics. That's right. And who, and, uh, and who was it in the chat room? It was Retro who uh, brought up Mary Lou Henner. I want to thank you for that. Oh, thank you for that. It's so beautiful. Look at that body. She dated John Travolta, by the way. Did you know that? No. No, no. Yeah. I didn't know that. He hit that. No, I got to move to warmer weather, yeah. No shit. Cliff All right, does, everybody. Yeah. Let's pull the plug. Uh, two, All right. Two, Good night, everybody. All right. Goodbye. Where's my video? <laughs> there it is.